Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Steph. And still no Joe. Oh, Steph jumping in. There you go. You two are home now, Steph. Sorry, I was going to give you the, the big introduction there. Sports Keeders, you know, of YouTube fame, Stephanie Chase, of the Grapple Roundtable. Yeah. But she's just one of us, damn. <laughs> I don't need a special introduction. It's just Steph. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thanks for filling in for us. Uh, obviously, Joe's uh, still away at the moment, and uh, and Grapple Garrett's uh, uh, otherwise engaged. Otherwise, he'd be here with the uh, with the three of us too. But yeah, great to uh, hear on the network again, Steph. Really enjoyed that uh, that roundtable with uh, with JP. You got all your uh, your new Japan talk out, so hope you were uh, yeah. hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, I loved recording that. That was uh, so much fun, and oh, I, I got to say like really nice things about Jay White and no one shouted at me so that was great <laughs> with no joe around yeah. i appreciate that you saved that you what you, you did that where, where he was just not in sight i think that was jp's <laughs> plan though to be honest i think like when it was brought up it's like I, I i don't know at the moment with everything going on in the world i don't feel as worked up about jay white to be honest with you in the mm-hmm. scheme of things he, he he seems like the least thing to worry about <laughs> yeah. a, va- a vaccine would be nice i'll, I'll concentrate <laughs> emotional energy towards that um but you know it, it was great but it also steph was an incredibly like warm night mm-hmm. so it was like completely draining um yeah. as well at the same time oh, i noticed Just that watching. in the intros it was like hello yes i'm steph and i'm fucking boiling as well and then i was like <laughs> yeah. yep i'm boiling too yeah it was a hot night on friday it was so hot but it's like it's pretty hot tonight as well it's, it's this is yep. a it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal um already today like i've, I've been out doing my walk i was gonna and it was ask like... jp there's nothing of you left to be honest mate bloody like i because i'm yeah. podcasting with you every week i'd noticed but i hadn't really noticed and then you put that twitter profile picture up and my god like you it's that de- you can definitely see the difference mate you're uh, you're looking well thank you not looking like i'm dying no is, not at all i wasn't it's really that. it isn't it steph can say that uh, yeah yeah <laughs> How many steps a day, JP? So probably, so in terms of kilometers, it's how I'm measuring it. It's, I'm doing basically 10 kilometers a day. Hmm. So last month, it was, a, it, I saw someone just saying 80 kilometers walk for July. It was for women's aid, uh, .ie. Really good as well. I'm doing it for an Irish charity, not a British one. Um, <laughs> I respect that. It is, yeah. You know, a wonderful bit of nationalism to throw in there. Exactly. You're very true to the, live in that gimmick, mate. Um, yeah. Not a gimmick passport, though, to, to leg it if a no-deal Brexit happens. <laughs> very much real. Um, I lost lost the train of thought there for the a charity. second. Charity. So, yeah, completely selfish there. Um, <laughs> so it was like well, eight, walk 80k for July. Mm. I just found myself doing it. There's a whole kind of nature reserve um, country park near me that we found some little shortcuts. And I basically started doing 10K most days. And I found out that by the end of it, I'd walked the equivalent of here to Sheffield in the month of July. I'd walked 209 and a half kilometers, which worked out like 130 miles. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It's felt somewhat excessive, but I did enjoy it. I got my podcast listening, wanted to have a conversation. It was great stuff. How long do you walk in minutes and hours? Because I'm not good at knowing about distance. Probably about 
hour and a half to two hours. Because I also just enjoy like kind of you go through woodland, so it's not like straight paths or anything else. But it's just something I found myself doing a lot of fun. And I was saying to you two off air that I just don't enjoy jogging. So oh, yeah, just can't run found it. Myself, can't do it at all. But you were saying you enjoy walking as well, rather than. Yeah. I think I walk for about an hour a day now, which is pretty good, but it's mainly like down a straight road from my house to Crouch End. Basically, I get to the super drug there and then I turn back and <laughs> it's not that exciting. But uh, yeah, but I do like doing it at nighttime when the roads are clear and I got some good music on and just, you know, pound those pavements to a bit of fuzzy and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. After midnight, I'm all right. <laughs> that's that is, isn't it? That's the choice I make. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Benno, you love a run, though, you were saying, weren't you? I don't know. I'm, I'm like you, though, I'm the same way. It's like, I enjoy the feeling after a run, I think is what it is. Like, I enjoy that high. Like, I went, for, went out for a run tonight. Um, and I enjoyed that bit. But the actual pain of doing it—that's that's the bit where I'm uh, I'm not. That's where I think I do prefer. Like I went for a little two-hour walk along Crosby Beach yesterday. I was out so late it got dark as well. Got a little bit scary on the beach to be honest. Uh, being out at night and uh, I know Grapple Gareth around to save me. But it was. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of prefer that. I think again. I think that's it. Yeah, you can listen to a podcast. Like I listen to Voices of Wrestling, which is perfect for that. Like like us, they'll they're known to go about three hours or so and just chill oh, out. Yeah. flagship yeah yeah and we can't talk like last last week was hilarious because i listened i listened back to the edit and i was giving will cooling shit for going four and a half hours with that quilden interview and i realized i I made fun of will for that at two hours and 45 minutes on our podcast so yeah we're not we're not ones to talk for length but hopefully there's people out there who go for long walks or go for runs that uh, hopefully we're useful for might take a few different runs though in a week Mm -hmm. commutes that kind of thing (laughs) If the country's yeah. open, which I don't quite know at the moment, especially if you're in, in Manchester or mm. Greater Manchester. So me, yeah. I'm imagining Benno at some point it'll be creeping it'll be creeping a lockdown will be creeping its way over to you very soon. Numbers are high in South Liverpool as well, which is where I work. But yeah, it's like it's uh, weird though, because it's like we're getting all these conflicting messages just from the government. It's like the country is locked down, but also go to all these restaurants because you'll get a tenner off. Or like <laughs> And also, yous are all too fat because of lockdown. <laughs> but also, the ten pound voucher actually works at McDonald's and KFC and that as well. Like all my runs are going out the window. JP, I went to Subway for lunch today. I got a. Oh. It, it was fifty percent off. I got a. I got a. I got a foot long meal. I only wanted the six inch, and the man upsold me to a foot long because he was like, "Well, if you sit in." And risk COVID-19. Well, he didn't say that, Bill. But basically, that's the idea. You'll get 50% off anyway, so it's basically no money. So I ended up getting myself a foot-long Subway and a pack of Doritos and uh, the peach, peach um, uh, what you call it, iced tea from the, from the cup machine. Yeah, it was all, it was all, it was a very Tory lunch, JP. I, I put on Twitter today that like, yeah, the Tories are bad, but I got 50% off my subway. So, you know, that Will Cooling maybe knows what he's on about. Uh, no, oh. <laughs> I'm not giving them that. It's a distraction tactic and that's exactly what it is. But maybe it worked for me for about five minutes today. So is it just 50% off at like selected restaurants? Yeah, there's like a government website where you can put a postcode in and it, it's a lot of chains and stuff, but right. it, it's Monday to Wednesday like all, all month i feel like i'm selling it for the government now like what have we we become with that joe it's good it, it, look it's cheap food it'll help somebody out there listening like if i can get a cheap mcdonald's then you know 
maybe I'll lay off the Tories for like for the ten oh. minutes while I'm eating it. Uh, you, I assume you guys haven't been out anywhere then. You're not you're not encouraged to do it to uh, to eat out to help out. I think that's the uh, the Tory slogan. No, I've not eaten out. I mean, the most I've been doing is getting a coffee from like my local Costa Coffee. But I just get like. I literally get scared when I see the lady put the lid on the cup. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's literally where my fear creeps in. And then I'm like, should I drink this with the lid or without the lid? And then sometimes I have like a, like Dettol wipe where I wipe the cup. And it, it's all just a whole performance before I can actually sit down and drink this coffee that I've paid £3.54. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, it would be, be £1.75 now, just saying, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a cost are included in this. Yeah. I got a coffee from them. If you've got a Costa card, they they'll put three pounds on your card to welcome you back. Oh. Now chill, Costa. Yeah, we've not been paid for any of this advertising, JP. I don't know why where we're going. Have you been anywhere? Shocking, nice? You've been it? out. You've been in your local pub. Uh, if you're gonna do it, people, I reckon go out and like your local businesses who've signed up for the scheme. Help those people. Yeah. out. they they need your help. I haven't. I must confess at the moment because the area that's best for me which would be like cowley roads the problem is is it gets very busy on an evening mm. and i just don't feel comfortable with that at all at the moment but i mean i said i was at a pub the other day but no I, i've i've not bothered with it i'll be honest with you mate and i know this is kind of segueing away from it there's just too much brilliant sport on for me to watch. Oh, over I was the gonna weekend. say, did any of your walks or your runs take you near? Uh, I was gonna say Harbury then, uh, the Emirates uh, this weekend. Jeff. The Emirates, no, that would have been well. It would have. I would have been able to walk there and back. Funnily <laughs> enough, for the for the distance I had done, uh, <laughs> some some kind of penance. Um, no, I watched it here um, with my sons. Uh, one of whom much more interested than the other one. He was terrified and nervous. I'd explained to him that I've been through this process many many times. Before the game, good sign, um, I bought a subscription to watch LOI, which stands for League of Ireland. So I get to watch every single League of Ireland match on an 18 sort of round system to the end of the to the end of the year. And I've been loving that. <laughs> so I watched Waterford beat Shelburne away. But I thought this is a good sign, but I don't want to get too cocky. Ireland were doing well against England in the cricket, which is a relative thing. They passed 200. And I haven't brought up any of the great cricket that's been on this summer, Ben. You've been spared on that front. Um, <laughs> but So I thought, OK, this is a definitely commendable performance. Good with the ball as well, Steph. You'd, you'd be pleased to know. Um, whilst at the same time, then it came onto the game itself. They scored. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, been there. Feels like Baku all over again. And then Aubameyang um, just turned it round and I just looked at him and I thought oh you're an absolute god and pay him whatever he wants to stay um but he really yeah he cheered he cheered up uh my son who I took to the game we beat Hull at 3-2 so he went to when Arteta lifted the trophy but he was buzzing and I think just giving his mates who sport other clubs shit for once which is something he's not been able to do for the entire year so you take these small mercies where you can. 
I was quite happy to see Arteta raise a trophy, to be honest, JP. Yeah, Everton legend by, by my standards. They're not, they're not very high standards, but, you know, he had a good few years with us. Big fan of Arteta. Now, I was happy for you mainly when I saw the results. I didn't see any of the game. And honestly, like, how bad's that? I'd forgotten the FA Cup was on at the weekend. Like, it was only, like, the next morning where I was like, oh, shit, yeah, that was last night. Um, sorry, mate. So really? I didn't, I didn't I get to partake in it with you. There you go. <laughs> Steph didn't even know. What I did, though, though, JP, actually, somebody sent me a, a screenshot this week. Of a League of Ireland game, like Dundalk versus St. Patrick's. Are they teams in League yeah, of Ireland? Yeah. Apparently, St. Patrick's have got a player called R. Benson. Like, someone thought that was hilarious and tagged yeah, it this week. R- R- Robbie Benson. Oh, is it Robbie? He's a bit oh, of a League of Ireland legend. He was at Dundalk last year. He scored the equaliser. <laughs> All right. Good game. I, I watched it. was live on RTE as well. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's a relative, maybe. I don't know. It's possible. He might be a cousin. There you go. Exactly. I'm one, of, like, I'm one of you guys, honest. <laughs> it's great get on that League of Ireland bandwagon I've said it before Republic of Ireland are gonna, they're going to do something like I, I'm just going to invest in these next eight, year, ten years <laughs> as the golden time of Irish football <laughs> and hopefully Waterford hurling which neither of you are really that bothered about. I was going to say thoughts Steph you know, Irish sport I feel like you know obviously I'm sure uh, you've got to take I wish I had some takes on Irish sport but uh you couldn't care, could you? Derry won tonight. Any <laughs> interest? No? no interest in Derry whatsoever. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I really just did spend my whole child and teen years only watching wrestling despite being in Ireland. Mm. So all Irish sports have passed me by. <laughs> You've probably dodged a fair whack of heartache with it all as well. That's why I've had oh, yeah. my experience. Spending your time watching wrestling leads to absolutely no heartache whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's none of your heroes. So turn out to be arsehole, so, you know, it never goes wrong. But, yeah. <laughs> and then I also, sorry, just to finish off, I also then rounded it off with watching two John Carpenter films um, oh. this weekend as well Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China, which neither of my sons had seen. They loved both of them. They're big on Kurt Russell as well. So I think I'm doing some of the parenting shit right. <laughs> nice. Do you do anything oh, fun, yeah. uh, Steph, other, other than obviously watching all of the sports that JP was watching? Do you watch any John Carpenter films? No, I didn't watch any John Carpenter films. Um, I'm trying to think of anything fun I did. <sighs> no, I watched Rain Man the other night. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was. I thought it was adequate. I thought it was... <laughs> Absolutely adequate. <laughs> Watch that while having brutal. What? That's a that's brutal. Just laying <laughs> into Hoffman and Cruz there, aren't you? I thought I thought Cruz is pretty good though, but it might just be because he probably is an asshole. Um, so it didn't take much acting, yeah. But I watched that on uh, Saturday night, and I um, ordered a rather huge Chinese that I didn't get any kind of discount off, and that was that. <laughs> Monday through Wednesday, remember? Yeah, oh, true. And then I just caught up in the wrestling. So, yeah, another exciting week in my life. <laughs> it's a full time job in itself. It's only fair. I went. <laughs> it truly is a full time job, indeed. I promised JP I was going to mention this on the podcast, so I will. I went to my mates cool. uh, for a barbecue at the weekend. I've met, I think yes. I've mentioned this once on the podcast before, but like my my mate is um, her mum is. Eunice of Gladiator fame, who's like a who's a Scouse legend in herself. She does like stunts with like 
I think she did a lot of Angelina Jolie's um, stunt work, and she did. Uh, she started like her own production company and stuff like that. So, but she wasn't around. But it's, it's a very. It's the first time I've been around to the house. Uh, one of my best mates, Alan, is um, her son-in-law as well. And I'll be honest, JP, I spent the entire uh, time that I was in the house just looking around to see if there was any Wolfman, Wolfman memorabilia or any pictures of her with, like, Warrior or Jet or anything like that. Didn't spot anything, mate, but it was a, it was a very nice house. Nice to be there in the, uh, the house that Gladiators uh, built. I'm glad, I'm glad she's, she's doing well for herself. Seems like a proper socialist as well on the, on the feed, isn't she? She's, uh, oh, she's yeah. very much kind of, like, proper red. Good, good work. Proper hero. Falling on her feet, which is ironic for being in the stunt world, really, I, isn't it? I always tell me, mates, like when I was a kid, I'd draw like pictures of like, speaking of growing up watching wrestling, I draw lots of pictures of wrestlers, but I also used to draw lots of pictures of gladiators. So I'd draw pictures of the gladiators and I'd draw pictures of Eunice as well. I'll have to find one somewhere and get her to sign it or something. I'll take it around one day. Um, but I, as I was... long as it doesn't look creepy, mate, because there's elements <laughs> of that story where yeah. you do one. I was a very innocent, a... you know, eight or nine-year-old would I have been during Gladiators? You know, it was just... I was, it, gladiators was the original wrestling, let's all be honest. The Wolfman was the original like heel like he was a he was a proper heel uh shadow he was a great heel on the um what was the sport what was the one they did where he had like they had like the big like pole type weapon i can't remember what it was that he that he was on do you remember that it's like a like a big q-tip really nice yeah, that's yeah. Like a big q-tip that's the best way of explaining it yeah and he was like yeah. the bad guy in that warrior was the face jet was a great face i got great memories of gladiators did you ever have gladiators it, we had gladiators come to our school to tell us about PE. Oh, no way. Who was it? Yeah, it was, um, I forget his name, but he was like a blonde man who... It's got to be Warrior. Oh. It might be, and I'm going to look up what Warrior looked like, but this is a thing that happened in Northern Ireland where gladiators would come to your school and <laughs> tell you about fitness, and they do like fitness um, drills with you. I can't believe this didn't happen. I can't believe this didn't happen in England. Oh, oh I take it this was before Nick Aldis's time, so you didn't have him around. Yeah. Oh, this is like proper nineties. Uh, the referee knows either. Was it John? Um, oh, what was his name? Contenders ready. I feel like this gladiator looked like Glacier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been, I'm sure there was like a rhino or like a Saracen, maybe oh. one of those names. Next time I'm in Belfast, I will dig up photos of me as a kid being made to pose with a gladiator Please who's talking about pee. <laughs> we'll put it in the that show image. Show image. With a note. I just know there's one that's just of my brother when he's about six with one of these gladiators, and whoever it is, he does kind of look like Glacier. And I don't know. I don't know why this happened in Northern Ireland. And if anyone's listening from Northern Ireland had a gladiator visit their school, please let me know. <laughs> I, I could imagine Glacier as a gladiator as well. Like even in like the full outfit and doing like the yeah. full pose. Like I feel like that's a that was a missed him and the British British bulldog was the big one. JP back in the day in all the newspapers. Yeah. That he was gonna be. He was gonna join the set of the team on Gladiators. Like during his, I think it was the the period between WCW and WWF where it was like front page tabloid news. Never happened. That was a major sign for British bulldog. I think. Probably. 
it feels like a very early 90s thing to just have an image of just what I assume would be the, the front page of the Daily Star with an image of Wolf looking angry and Jet. Yeah. Who, like, I mean, I went to an all-boys Catholic school. So, <laughs> like, if Jet from Gladiators had turned up, like, I mean, it just would have been scenes. That's all, <laughs> all, all I'll, I'll say about that. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was compelling stuff. I mean, there's so many kind of odd... Because you talk about the gladiators, obviously being a teenage boy, just like completely in love with, with Jet, as many were, I think. Uh, you have to do a word count on the amount of times you've mentioned the word Jet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can tell, can't you? I mean, that's just initially like my first thought is like Jet and Wolf and Shadow. Um, I, I think it was Cobra that visited my school. Cobra. It was either Cobra or Ace. It was one of these blonde ones. Yeah, Cobra yeah. or Ace. Cobra. Or it would have been okay, better, and this is something that. Joe mentioned, if it was like someone dressed up like Cobra, as in Sylvester Stallone from the 80s film, <laughs> the one with him and Bridget Nielsen, and they've got the axe-wielding gang after them. If they turned up as that to teach you PE, Steph, you'd have been game. I would have done better at PE. I would be out running now if uh, that had happened. That big gun, the cool car. The inexplicable gang that's a member of a cult. Yeah, it's it's a film that I should go back and, and, and see at some point. Um, but sorry, just to finish off on the gladiator, talk about the components. Yeah, the gladiators. Mm. Ulrika Johnson and John Fashionu as well. Great. And I think we've spoken about Fashionu many times. Oh, we'll go. As, yeah. I mean, the last thing I saw him on was when he did that thing with Pat Butcher and Bobby George, and, uh, and they went off and got stoned in America. Because basically they have arthritis. So they were trying that. Um, and that was great. He was an arsehole. Again, you'd have to go through the archives. Joe goes into quite in-depth detail on this. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just weird components. Saturday night, the ref. Great stuff. I mean, it's, it, you know, in a, so, in a non-social distancing world, like, that's the kind of stuff we need back on. Have you watched the Rocks Titan Games thing? Is that like Gladiators? Mm. Yeah, kind of. Because that was going head to head with Raw for a while, wasn't it? In America, and yeah. doing really well in the ratings. Yeah, it kind yeah. of is like they're getting like the, the man off the street type thing and making trying to like put them through trials Dash and stuff. Dasha Gonzalez is on it. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, she's one of the contestants. Mm. I saw a clip about that, and it's it's a great segue. That one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> The rock, the rocks businesses, business decisions. I mean, um, like, it's a very obvious thing for him to like, kind of do. Well, that's and awesome. he's not alone in making these, is he, Richard? <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, going from like, from from old talk of 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 TV shows to somehow this is real life in the year two thousand and twenty. Apparently, the rocks bought the XFL guys. Apparently, that's a thing. Apparently, that's that's what happened today. Him, him, and his ex-wife. Of of who she works as his manager and agent, doesn't she as well? Um, yes, in his um, production company. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. completely co-own it. I think they're like proper like fifty fifty partners. Yeah, wow, that's like, yeah. it's like how how is that a news story today? Like apparently it was a couple of hours from bank bankruptcy, and yeah, the Rock and uh, it's Danny Garcia, isn't it? Like swooped mm. in with this investment company. And have bought the XFL for what fifteen million? I think was the story. Like, I honestly feel like if anyone could pull this off, the Rock's probably going to be able to pull this off. Like, I, you, mm. you feel like the XFL is a terrible idea, 
but there's definitely like people out there who've got a bit of nostalgia for it or people who just enjoy the fact that it's more sports and it's different rules throw the rock behind it i feel like this could actually be a success yeah i like absolutely i think it's just hilarious that he bought it like it's absolutely hilarious i would like to know when vince found out that the rock (laughs) bought it like it just sounds like a really funny prank but if he makes a success out of it then good Mm. for him for doing what vince couldn't i think he really could do yeah. I think he, he is much more... If you think of him as a brand, mm-hmm. his brand is hotter than WWE's. His oh. own personal brand. Yes. And, like, I don't think... Like, there probably isn't enough praise. Is it Danny Garcia mm-hmm. is the name of his, of his ex-wife and business right. partner? Like, enough praise for the kind of way that he managed his film career. Mm-hmm. Because it could have just died a direct-to-DVD death. And he would have been happy doing that. But he would have been back for a lot more shows. Mm-hmm. But she's legitimately turned him into one of the most famous um, people on the planet mm. and the way that he take, he's taken t- certain calculated risks with his career. Um, it's, it's like knowing when to do the family movies and it was knowing when to do the fast and furious franchise. And these are all oh, yeah. decisions that, that they're doing together as a partnership and Titan games, which will open up TV networks and he knows he'll need to appear on it. Mm. But if you think about, the kind of goodwill and his image and his brand being so good that I could see him turning it into an almost kind of having a Friday night lights, um, kind of all or nothing reality style feel to it, where it's people with their second chances going into the XFL to try and impress to go to the NFL. And I think he could look at it like that. It's whether or not it's, it's about the level of investment that's there. It's how much of the credit, you know, what happens with the creditors and the rest of it. Um, if they're able to get someone like Colin Kaepernick involved, yeah. that would be an enormous boost. And here's one I'd love to throw out. And I saw it suggested today on Twitter, TNT go for the rights and get rock on <laughs> AEW. Wow. That would just, that would be amazing. <laughs> that, been a real oh, war then. That would oh, it'd be a war. All right. I it, feel like Vince probably has a resent, a, big resentment towards the rock that he will never like reveal for the rock being so successful so now you've got the rock buying xfl mm. probably got to make that successful if you got that on tnt vince would just be cursing out Dwayne so bad <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. for it because that was the thing I, I i took the story as like did Vince tip him off? Was it like, listen, this thing's going for cheap, buy it, and I'll help you out or something? But I think Rock's just swooped in. He's done this on his own. He's done this with, with, with Danny so. Garcia, and he's just, he's seen something to it. I don't think Vince would have sold to him. Mm. No. Sorry, Steph, I didn't mean to cut across you there. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, I don't think Vince helped him. I think it just him and him and Danny just decided to go in and, and buy it, and Vince is probably just as baffled as the rest of us when you find out Mm. well if you think of it it's kind of had a market test already Mm. for a much kind of improved version of it which really i mean the pandemic killed we don't really know what would have necessarily happened with ratings and crowds and a season finale and all this uh you know all of those types of things Mm. but they have got a kind of testing for what's there and it did okay and it did and i think there's a market for it and you're buying it at quite a cheap price and it's 
difficult to know what the state of the economy in the world will be like. But if they're looking, and they'll be looking to do it again as kind of Easter football, really, going into the summer. Mm. And just to kind of fill that gap and fill that void. And I think his name is good. Um, he manages to stay relevant. I don't watch ballers. So was this whole thing entirely a storyline in Rock ballers? Is, the Rock is basically playing his character in ballers here, which... right. It's an okay show. It's basically Entourage, but with steroids. Like That's basically what it is. <laughs> and paying but, pills. Which is wrestling, I, I, really. So, yeah, it all fits yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's the kind of stuff that I can just see him being successful with. But in, in terms of Vince, just going back onto that for a second, mm. Vince will always view that he creates all of these people, so therefore they're his. And any success they get outside, they owe him. Without realising that he took the rock to that certain level, but the rock took himself to the place where he is now. Like that's done entirely outside of the WWE machine. Cause like I say, you watch the Scorpion King. I still remember the kind of buzz when it came out and all the rest of it. And yeah. that incredibly ropey CGI in the end. And the fact he's only in it for like five minutes really, but like, and he got people in, but after that you would have seen the career kind of tapering off and it would have ended up the way that Austin's did. But he was clever and reinvented himself when he did that um, the film that was the sequel to Get Shorty. I can't think of what it is. And, you know, he's he, he playing sort of different interpretations, doing even Southland Tales, which is rubbish. I feel like I should be on that, what was it, that Rocky Horror, uh, oh, Rocky Maivia <laughs> picture show on, yeah. on the post. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all of that stuff, that's him. Vince will never get it. I doubt Vince would ever want to sell it to him. And, he, and you know he'd run it better than Vince. And there'll be a lot of sort of stumbles along the way. But I think he opens a lot more doors than Vince does. Mm. I think people would recognize that this is a hot brand yeah. with someone who is universally popular. Like, in, like genuine global superstar appeal. And it's very hard. Like you could see him working and he's got it for a cheap price. Mm. All yeah. the things that would piss Vince off. So the best of luck to him. I mean, I wouldn't have normally given a shit, but if this is one sticking it to Vince, I'll happily jump on board the XFL train. And the thing is, like, when they relaunched, as much as they tried to make it better, you know, it still had Vince in there, so I was still just being like, this will never be cool. Like, at least mm. Wayne has a chance to make it cool and appeal to younger people. And he has so many, like, followers on Instagram and Twitter, and they are not wrestling fans. Like, they are not... Yeah that pay attention to wrestling fans they are people that are following him on instagram for his like motivational videos and all the stuff he says on there mm. like he's the right person to actually make a go at something like this yes yeah. it, 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 it to, to the credibility point like his name transcends wrestling doesn't it like he's he's mm. You know, Vince, Vince McMahon's always, like you both said, going to be that wrestling guy. Whereas The Rock, obviously, like the most famous wrestler probably of all time at this point, I would say. Like, but yeah, he's had such a career, hasn't he, post-wrestling, that like he's a brand above her. Like he is, yeah, you're right. I think that that, that credibility factor is going to make a difference. And uh, the other thing is, I saw noted today, I think it was Danny Garcia who said it herself, the first entirely black-owned sports property in america as well uh, or the yep. sports league sorry uh, in america as well so that's i think that 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 um because it's funny to see how that, that changes well jp at the start like didn't vince do that speech where he said something about there'll be no there'll be no no, kneeling. no kneeling to the anthem that video oh. and 
oh, that was like, what, two years ago when he did that video when oh, people yeah. were asking. Neil Docking Jim. rang in. Were you on that call, Steph? No, but I remember watching it. And I remember when they got to the kneeling part um, and me just being like, oh, Vince, it's got to be Vince. Vince is going to be, this is not going to be like some new like organization that like takes in people and, you know, really makes a change. This is just Vince. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just Vince. Vince, man. Well, speaking of just Vince, that ties quite nicely to our next story. <laughs> It was WWE uh, uh, quarter earnings call uh, time, JP, uh, and you know, mm. it's uh, this this poor company who've uh, they've gone through a horrific few months. You know, there's been a global pandemic, and you know the poor guys they had to they had to cut some costs and you know furlough some staff and outright sack some wrestlers, and they had to you know t- take pull things back, strip things back. Turns out, JP, they actually had their, their most successful quarter of all time. I feel like this is something maybe we mentioned in April when we did the podcast about it, but just to give, yep. you, the head, give you the headline here, and the, do, 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 in their, uh, their quarter, quarterly financials, which is the first quarter since COVID, since entire like an entire lockdown quarter, turns out the, uh, their operating income increased to $55.7 million, as opposed to $7.1 million this time last year. Um and in the in the in the actual like um, what they put forward, uh, they actually wrote on their own web website in their release that it was thanks to running shows at the performance center, which is clearly cheaper, and to a lesser extent, a, de- a decrease in management payments. But all in all, what we know it is is that it turns out running shows from the performance center is a hell of a lot cheaper than going on the road. This is not a company who was struggling financially through COVID. In fact, they've actually done better. I think not having house shows is another big element of it as well because they're mm. pretty much money losers these days. Like, yeah, if anybody was saying when they were doing the, the releases, not just the talent either of, like, backroom staff, which I think is where the real moral issue lies because, you know, a lot of the on-screen talents, I suppose, at this point have found jobs elsewhere. But still, like, morally, like, it, it was unbelievable at the time when they did it. They're still the only wrestling company who've done it, who've made any cuts. And it turns out, yeah, they were they were wildly profitable, despite themselves, to, uh, to quote one CM Punk. Uh, yeah, no surprise there in those numbers, JP. No, not at all. Um, it was exactly what we kind of said at the time. It was done um, to please shareholders and to kind of justify the dividends. That's what it was. It was about getting those dividends. That's all they're interested in. They've zero interest in anything else. Um, I mean, just looking through in terms of like a lot of the savings they've done through the performance center, you'd imagine from that, that everything is kind of rosy in the garden of Titan, wouldn't you? But mm-hmm. maybe it's just me. And I know apocalyptic predictions and WWE slash WWF are, are kind of like a labored business. There's a bit of a feeling of WCW here at its peak in terms of they're raising money, but like even much more worrying the creative problems, which were, I mean, apart, apart from a terrible article in Variety, which said that they're kind of booming for that, that TV, those TV ratings with the preparation of live sport also coming back on mass on a Monday like there is going to come a point where when they're not getting that Fox money and that USA money, if those stations start to struggle, like there'll come a point where it'll be like, we've massively overpaid for it. So this quarter, 
looks good. I imagine like the next couple will look good. Um, having re- like, like you say, it's the it's like when we see this happen at football clubs and they talk about players being let go and having to take a wage cut. It's the people, all those people who work behind the scenes. They're the ones who bear the brunt of this. But there is no morality there whatsoever. Um, I remember that there was a there was that quote of um, Shane McMahon to Gary Michael Capetta about you never tell the workers how much they're earning. Well, he was like, "What's the big thing you've learned from Vince?" Oh, right. It's like so to Gary so Michael can, Capetta to Gary Michael Capetta. He wrote in his book, oh, and right, it's just okay. basically their technique. And I remember it because Mike Sempervivi said it on Wrestling Observer Live. Mm. He made a direct quote about it, which I obviously butchered. Um, <laughs> But it's this idea that at their core, it's about screwing over their workers and that workforce. And they're able to do it. They're running it. Now, there's several things. There's going to come a point very soon where the state of Florida may end up having a lockdown. So even though cases may seem like they're plateauing, hospitalization rates are going up. They're talking about schools opening up at the end of the month. And it's just not able to happen in any way, shape or form. And the U.S. could be heading towards a lockdown. That also then, what is going to happen then at that point if they're not able to produce original content? And they'll try, but there'll come a point where DeSantis will be under real public pressure to be able to do something about this. Hmm. And these are the kind of, like, so you've got the creative is awful. They've earned this money. They've pleased these shareholders. But everything else about them and their fan base is collapsing. I don't see them getting to 2 million viewers for Raw. Um a horrifically bloated show from a couple of generations gone gone by. That's how passe it is at this stage. And it's going to end up looking like one of those shows, like when they first cancelled the Muppet show and they just sort of looked at it and thought, this isn't, this shouldn't be there for the time. Now they were wrong massively, but that's the kind of thing that can happen. These long running TV institutions can get cancelled Fox are going to be looking at money and they're obviously going to be hemorrhaging money all over the world. They're going to look to get out of that deal. And I know I'm boring. I bang on about it most weeks, but that is going to happen. And it hits a million. Yeah. And this game they're playing with, with the share, with the shareholders and the dividend that won't mask like the real systemic problems that are in there in that company. Yeah. I think in this um, investors call though, that this was the first time that Vince really faced like ratings questions. Yes. Mm. They're, they're getting yeah. wise. The investors they aren't they? Like there was a lot of ratings questions. They absolutely are. And I think um, <clears throat> that's something like he absolutely has to be held accountable for because he can't like, he can't sustain this with the way the ratings are going. And I think, um, Earlier in the year, when they got rid of like George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, I think that alerted some of the investors to maybe that there's some problems going on that they have to oh, look yeah. into. And now, with the rating stuff, like at some point, someone's going to have to say to him that like the buck does stop with him because he always has so many excuses as to like why ratings are falling. You know, there's pandemic, people are injured. <laughs> Roman's not here. Like he'll make up an excuse anytime. But at the end of the day, it's like, we know ourselves as people that watch it, that it's the creative. And I think with AW just existing, that just does shine a bigger spotlight on it because mm-hmm. even you know, even if you're not a fan of AEW, you can see that they're doing something different. They're doing well in the ratings against NXT. And 
it's just going to get to the point very soon, I think, where like serious questions will be asked of, of his leadership that he's not had to really address before. Yeah, it's been going that way, hasn't it, on these calls where, like, like you said, people are pushing him on the ratings. You're getting yeah. more cranky Vince on these calls than ever. Like, the, 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 I think the people Good. calling are more informed, whether they're re- reading um, Brandon Howard's stuff or getting their info from elsewhere. Yeah. But, like, they were, like you said, they were pushing them hard. On the, there was, like, three or four different questions about the ratings being soft and what they were going to do. People were outright asking him about why Heyman got sacked, which he didn't answer. <laughs> asking him why Triple H isn't more involved, which he kind of gave a half answer about. Well, he's always involved. He's always around. And you could tell that, like, we were getting proper cranky Vince on this phone yeah. call. It's actually quite interesting and, to hear, and I feel like the facade is uh, is pulling away a bit. Yeah, something like the Paul Heyman thing, like him, he like he really wasn't there that long, and those kind of like behind the scenes changes. Like, if you were an investor, that's not totally clued into wrestling, and you started even just looking at things on the surface, like, well, why did Paul Heyman go? so fast why have we got now bruce pritchard in charge of two shows why don't you just put paul levesque in charge of nxt's doing well like all this stuff it's like it's soon these questions like the next call of these ratings get any worse which they will he's gonna have to really start answering more questions and i think i mean are we getting close to the time where he may have to step back i don't know it feels like it's never gonna happen but it feels like Someone Trump, isn't it? Tell him, yeah. It's Trump. You can't, yeah, you can't tell them that the emperor has no clothes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. In the case of Trump's election campaign and that kind of really faltering, part of the problem is is and there's all these myriad of excuses they come up with. He's a terrible candidate, and in this case, Vince is outright terrible at his job, and has been for quite some time. And if it was any kind of a, a proper corporation, and, and we're kind of seeing this even, I mean, I, you know, I've been watching a documentary on the Murdochs about this, which just sort of made me angry about this stuff as well. But this kind of dynastic um, thinking about how a company should be run rather than what actually kind of benefits the company itself. Um, those are the things that are, that are really incredibly problematic for them. Um, it's, it, it, I just think they're in a, they're in a spiral, but it's, it's who breaks and who's just says, right, this is, this is ridiculous. Someone goes, Kevin Dunn should not be there because his, what his vision of the aesthetic is, is just woefully out of date. And yeah, he knows how to put on a laser show. Good for him. Mm. Like, and he loves doing it once a year in a stadium. <laughs> like, and yeah. somehow we want to think of him as a production Yoda. And he very much fucking isn't. <laughs> um, he really isn't. It's just outdated. And these are the kind of like the the create what is creative there. We spoke about this on on Friday. We talked about New Japan storylines. One of the things I kind of come away from it actually, the storylines we talk about necessarily in the wrestling we like, is really predicated by the character story. So you're watching these characters just intersect with each other and they cross over. And they will have had some reason in the past, possibly, where there would have been conflict. And then that brings it forward. But really, you're following these characters' stories. Whereas they're outright just trying to kind of script a wrestling television show. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I think the audiences are just so wise to this now that, you know, yeah, there'll be those 50-year-old men who will be there till they die. And, you know, I think you want to watch out for some of them the way that the, the virus is spreading through some parts of the US. 
I didn't think that was where that was going. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was going somewhere worse, but... <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. That's what it needs to get brought up one of these conference calls now. Vince, your audience is dying out. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> they did, did actually ask him that, though, didn't they? Stuff they were asking about whether... Um... <laughs> I don't even know how to get the back on track. They were asking, they were asking about the... Uh, why why NXT and AEW have bounced back and Raw and SmackDown haven't. And Vince actually admitted, didn't he, that they're, they're, they're new and they're youthful. So maybe there's something to JP's argument there. Maybe that's what it is. The, 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 the AEW and NXT audience isn't dying out anytime soon and therefore they're bouncing back. I think that like WWE is also in such a, an odd position where it's a company that is producing a TV show. So you've got the same man in charge of the company that's trying to write a TV show, which mm. is so incredibly unique. And I think in any other circumstances, you would absolutely not put the 70-something-year-old man to be the one writing the TV show. Like, fair enough if you think he's like a, a wrestling company genius that should be in charge of the company, but to put him in a creative position, it's like, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want your granddad writing a TV show. Like... <laughs> aimed at a young audience you really wouldn't television shows generally have showrunners and their job is to kind of keep an eye on the overall storylines and be that guiding rather than the people who are kind of putting them together and that's generally been it because you do always need one person to be the kind of editor the problem is as an editor his time has gone a very long time ago but he doesn't give it up because he's never going to isn't he and as we say all this his solution to these problems is Shane McMahon (laughs) <laughs> like I saw something Shane McMahon back Shane's tonight coming back tonight oh how old is Shane <laughs> he's in the demographic though isn't he <laughs> yes like so like there'll be people losing their fucking minds probably <laughs> I was going to say by the it, time this episode dropped it might have turned out that Shane McMahon turned everything round on Raw last night and they had like the the greatest <laughs> angle of all time there's a new stable day four and a half million tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, as like in the same way that the rock buying the XFL is brilliant, it would be amazing if it turned out all along that Shane was the actual savior of everything, <laughs> and in the end, he ends up with the whole company, and it turns out that he's the one, he is the savior, and Stephanie and Triple H just have to leave. <laughs> very Game of Thrones about that, the trueborn son, JP. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was just going to try to think who, who the brand equivalent is in that place, though. <laughs> the difficult one. Sure. It's a big analogy if we're going to go Spoilers down Spoilers for Game of Thrones. It does sound it. <laughs> oh, I, I just cut to the chase there. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, well, a couple of years now. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, that's passed. But yeah, I, th- I think like... The problem is the investors seem to seem to just think only Vince can run this, and you notice that from during these Q and A's where like you'll get different different people on behalf of different investor groups specifically asking for Vince because Vince is the guy. Vince, like you said, JP, he, he's the he's this wrestling genius. He's like he's like he. Although we all know that wrestling genius ran out twenty five years ago, these investors I feel like they're only just getting onto it, and I just. To go back to that point, it did feel a little bit like the pressure was on. It felt like, okay, yeah, the network numbers up a bit. You would expect it to be like in a pandemic. There's more people up at home. To be fair to them, doing the um, getting rid of the free trial and just having a free tier instead seems on its face to have been actually relatively successful. 
Although, you know, looking from a distance, you know, one on, one and a half million as the as a network number is not particularly, you know, you mentioned Semper Vivi before, JP, and I enjoyed this point where he said, like, yeah, there's one and a half million network subscribers, one and a half million people watch Raw, one and a half million people between them watch AEW and NXT on Wednesdays, and one and a half million used to be the bit, used to be the number we used to deride TNA for getting on a Monday night or on a whatever night they were on that week. That is just mm. the number at this point. And from an outside perspective, you'd wonder whether they'd be pushing a bit more. Going surely, surely there's 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 a bigger. You go on about like going for casual fans and going for families and going for you know all these households having WWE fans in the in in the in there. And at the end of the day, it's still you're just making a lot of money out of the same million and a half people. At least in the US, you know, obviously more worldwide as well. Like at some point, that penny's got to drop. I think. Um, I think he must have been completely like with those amazing profits. He must have been so blindsided and angry by the fact that he then questioned really. And I got a question about Evolve as well. Like I couldn't believe, like somebody on an investigator asked Vince McMahon (laughs) about Evolve Wrestling. They just described it. It was a a small content purchase deal. I think is what they said, Um, and also described there were no M and A opportunities, which is which is an MMA. It's investor speak. Sorry, Dave Meltzer. Yeah, (laughs) but like you're right though, Steph, because I reckon Vince wasn't ready for it. Because by by the time they got to near the end, where I think somebody asked him about doing live shows outside the performance center, and he was just like, "We're looking at all different opportunities," and that was his answer. It was like, "That's it. That's all he got to say. He's done." Like. Yeah, he do, he doesn't want to face this kind of grilling from uh, from people. And to be fair to them, I suppose they are making uh, wild wild profits right now. Said it many times. He's lived in a bubble, mm. isn't? And and that bubble's getting pierced in the t- in the greatest time of kind of collective reflection done on a global scale. And people have kind of seen through a lot of people like him the kind of bluffer populists and the rest of it. And you talk about the, that idea of the, the, still that idea of him being the genius. And I'd all recommend, and it was done quite some time ago. I remember Joe Lanza doing a rant on flagship about that and kind of going through it from the eighties. And it's just like, which always comes down to the idea of like plucky Vince doing it. It's like, yeah, plucky Vince, the son of a promoter. Hmm. Yeah. You know, really had to claw his way in. It's like, I don't, it's just like no, it's nepotism, mm. which is which he has just carried on himself. And a lot of the decisions are more kind of ballsy and reckless to a degree, rather than any great kind of genius mind. And it's also having the kind of willingness to be the biggest bastard and do the things that the others wouldn't do. And in terms of running running down all of these companies, that does not a genius make a sociopath maybe but not a genius. So this, these kind of mythologies around him, I just pray that someone plays that to the investors as well and go, seriously, the emperor has no clothes. And at that point, you just don't know with WWE because if it ever goes out of the McMahon's hands, it could very easily just escalate into... Jeff Jarrett would end up... I was going to say, you know who steps in if that happens. You know who's going to be the last man standing, JP. He, he won well, his he's lawsuit. He's going to be getting some cash for... The, he won his lawsuit. Well, he didn't win, did he? I think it got, it got written off or whatever. It got... Um, yeah. It got, the mistrial was declared. That was it, wasn't it? But, you know, Jeff Jarrett's always going to be standing at the end. Yeah, the mistrial of the century. Um, <laughs> he could end up running creative just in some mad world where they just need someone to get in. And he's like, I've run a wrestling company. <laughs> he... Hitting one and a half million a week, Jeff can do that. 
At this point, I'd give Jeff another shot, to be honest. If we're in shit or bust mode, then why not? (laughs) Just go balls to the wall with it as well. And on a serious note, I think the thing that they ultimately miss is the characters and the people. That's the thing that they should be, if they're ever wanting to connect with any other audience. They've got these people who kind of, and Steph has spoken about this before about the, the the idea of their instagram reach and their youtube reach and we've spoken about sasha banks and bianca belair and these are people you don't necessarily need to write a soap opera storyline for them if you allow them to kind of get over as characters that's the thing that can connect in the social media universe mm-hmm. rather than kind of worrying about some intricate story about why it is you can just have them disagree with each other and you know we're going to talk later on I've seen a bit of stardom this week and, and, and so step and it's like in some ways that's all they're doing with their storylines well Vince did say on the call you know that's what we need we just need we need new storylines we need to be more creative with our backstage with our out of ring content and we need new stars easy JP easy when you put it like that that's uh, that's not um, going to be a problem it's not like they haven't struggled for 20 years you know it's fine or, or- not like they don't just not give any new stars a chance, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Who's on top of Raw, is... Randy Orton and Big Show? Is that, is that the thing? Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Oh. But, like, in, you mentioned that list there, Benno, and he'll just think, or oh, I could call Mark Calloway. <laughs> and, like, all problems are solved. And, you know, that's what I'm kind of expecting. They'll literally drag the real coffin of Mark Calloway onto Raw before they push any new stars. Mm. That's literally... <laughs> that's how far this <laughs> goes. <laughs> oh, good to tell it right down there. You know, it's possible. Uh, but anyway, it's fine anyway because you know they're going to be doing SummerSlam on a boat, so we're all going to get distracted by that, and life's going to be good. We're not excited for SummerSlam on a boat. No. Not by them. <laughs> not by them. I, I, we watched Money in the Bank, and like them doing it in their offices. No, I've zero. There's going to be some awful stuff that goes on um, in terms of Titanic ripoffs and the rest of it. I've just got this horrific vision of what it would be. <laughs> Who's Leonardo and, DiCaprio in that, in oh, that story? Like Gareth mentioned, you just want a big red X, like it's on Beefcake's face and he's being cut open by the outlaw Ron, Mass, Ron Bass. And ironically, that's because he crashed his yacht, which might well have been an actual sign, wasn't it? Sign. <laughs> So this is a shit idea. Just um, a rumor right now. It's not been announced. Because you know what? Like, I prefer it. I, I don't know. Do if, if they just end up going, ah, oh, you know what? We're just going to do it at the Performance Center. I, I want a full shit show. I want a show on a boat. I want it. Yeah, I want a show on a boat. It's going to be so bad. I think um, who will be Leonardo DiCaprio? I think they'll do like um, Juan and Alexa doing a... I'm flying thing. On the front of the boat. Arms straight <laughs> yeah. out. Jesus Christ. But um, JP's going to cry. You okay, mate? <laughs> we'll make you review it for this podcast. I just... Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want them to do it in the boat just so that um, Jericho's cruise can be so much better. That I, <laughs> that, like, yeah, that's true. You know, like that's literally. I just want them to say we're doing it in a boat, and I just want Jericho to say you're copying me. Mine was better, and everyone to go, yeah, yours was much better <laughs> because <laughs> they can't do a show on a boat. So I honestly think if if it was possible, if they were looking for like an outdoor venue, if they could basically like cordon off a beach or something, that would probably be much easier for them. Mm. And it'd be kind of yeah, yeah, it'd be kind of like easier. And I, I just don't know how you would 
do you feel people can get a boat? Uh, yeah, I, I suspect it will just be terrible them doing it. He'll, what, where, he'll get his inspiration from Speed 2 or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, which and he just saw this year for the first for time. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, he hasn't got a time to go to the cinema as much these days, isn't he? He's like, oh, I'll get out a new film tonight. <laughs> someone, someone bought it for him in VHS. How do we all feel about Speed 2? I went to see it at the cinema. That's how old I am. Shit, mate. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? I'm that old, mate. I went to see Speed 1. Did you? Wow. I think I only ever watched that. (laughs) My then then girlfriend at the time, we both loved it. I took her to see some terrible films, though, in the meantime as well. But but not Speed 2, no. No Keanu. Was that the deal breaker? We we weren't together then. Oh, (laughs) sorry. So subject, sorry. Um, no, not really. I've seen her probably about ten years ago. She's doing very well, living in Winchmore Hill. Good on you, Catherine. Don't, she's not listening to this. Shouts out to Catherine. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, Steph. I don't even know if we're still talking about the boat. <laughs> we so, are. So basically, WWE Speed Two is what we want. There we go. It's got to be better yeah. than that fucking Edge film. What's that film on Netflix you were trying to get us to watch, JP? Um, uh, money Plane. Money Plane. Jesus Christ. I think that requires some building up to, because from the, the the clips I have seen, particularly one on a loop with... Um, Kelsey Grammer. What's his name? Kelsey Grammer. Just saying Money Plane over and over again. Money Plane. Yeah. I do need to say, but then it's, it's, I don't suspect it'll be like so bad it's good, will it? I just suspect it's probably going to be deeply shit. But at the same time, WWE will probably use it in a skit for a while as well, won't they? Yeah. Like, matter of time, really. I've not seen Edge act. How's Edge's acting career? Didn't look great from the trailer, I've got to be honest. No. I don't suspect it would be good from watching his raw appearances. (laughs) To (laughs) To be honest, I'm more concerned about Kelsey Grammer's career. Of how <laughs> he's come got to this. to this level. I, somebody had said it might have been because he was, and a lot of people in the entertainment was because of Bernie Madoff and the um, the like pyramid scheme he was running, and about loads of people within entertainment had tons invested within him, um, but it was all a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so the last time I saw Kelsey Grammer, he was on like Real Housewives or something because his wife was on that. So didn't seem like he was doing too good at that point either. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's like it's it's not like the road levels of kind of poverty he's going through. It's more <laughs> like an upkeep of an existing lifestyle. <laughs> like when when you're at that point and you're having to push around a trolley quietly to leg it from some cannibals, then you know you're in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> How's Niles doing? How's the guy who played Niles? Maybe he's having has a more happy, successful career. Maybe that's uh... David Hyde Pierce. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. David Hyde yeah. Pierce. Has he been Niles, in anything recently? I haven't seen him in anything recently, but he was definitely my favorite in in Frasier. I was really pulling for his storyline with Daphne. Uh, a lot of emotional investment there. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I always think with um, with him, there's a good possibility that you can end up just retiring. I'm looking on it apparently, and this is according to CelebrityNetWorth.com, which sounds incredibly reliable. He's worth forty million. I don't know why he should be doing anything at that stage. Like, if he just said, 
right, that's me done. I'm just off traveling. Then, yeah, good luck to him. He might just work out of boredom. I think I'm saying more about me as a person <laughs> and just the unwillingness to give up work as soon as possible. Uh, as soon as we get that Patreon going, JP, we're all been in our jobs. Yeah. We'll be millionaires. That's it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to more serious matters. Does anyone have anything else about WWE they wants to mention? Boats, bunny planes, Fraser actors? Uh, I wonder how the dog's doing. Hopefully the dog's all right. Um, <laughs> on more serious points, uh, JP, we had a bit of story um, dropped today uh, with regards mm-hmm. equity. Uh, we talked a little bit last week uh, about uh, Rev Pro and the, the Andy Quilden interview with Will Cooling and um, the way they dealt with, um, or the way Andy Quilden is saying he's going to deal with uh, a lot of the allegations coming out of speaking out. Equity have uh, made the announcement today, I believe is it five recommendations that they... Uh, they think uh, wrestling companies should uh, should sign up to. Uh, definitely made some interest in reading. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's a start. And I think this is where we are because none of these things have ever been in place with wrestling at all. Mm-hmm. Speak about it like an industry. It was never structured like an industry. It was the most kind of hand-to-mouth existence. And this, in some ways, is a kind of bare minimum. But it's also something that, Obviously, it's the companies and the wrestlers themselves need to buy into for it. And it's quite simple, isn't it? I mean, it's it's not a particularly, like, kind of complex five steps that they're asking for. Um, the things that I've seen, certainly when it comes to progress and the statements on there, I mean, there's one that they're talking about, which is just a disciplinary procedure, and that is just taking a bit longer, and it's completely understandable. But it's a start Mm. and it's good that these documents exist and it's good that there's a kind of baseline. As with everything else, it's when it's all in practice. Mm. That's when you kind of judge this. And it's about does this apply to every wrestler who is on the show? And then it gets into kind of there's this contractual kind of not legalese issues, but as with a lot of things, there there are things within fine details like a specific dignity and work policy you're looking for that or i mean a lot of it's yeah. covered in the progress statements anyway but i just think it's a start and it's a good start and it's the idea of promotions going yep yeah, we're going to sign up to it it's a code of conduct and i think then what you kind of need then is a bit of joined up thinking mm-hmm. where the promotions then are in contact with each other and they don't view each other as enemies they just view them as like they kind of all need each other in order for any kind of professional wrestling industry to exist, that they're going to need to be there to provide like kind of wrestlers work who are going to be able to work and improve and, and, and grow. Mm. So they're going to need to be in contact. But then also when it comes to kind of people who are breaking the codes of conduct, they're able to relate this onto them saying X happened at this show. So therefore this person cannot be admitted. So there has to be that kind of real level of transparency. Hmm. And there's still a lot of things that aren't really transparent. Some for very good reasons and some just because they think it's the nature of the business. Hmm. And they don't want to be entirely um, kind of transparent at this moment in time. Yeah. It, 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 it just feels like these are, these are starts. I mean, one of the things I'd like to do is see the wrestlers kind of think about collective bargaining and then there's because the wrestlers themselves are going to have to enact parts of these code of conducts themselves within the locker rooms and in the and in training schools and places like that. 
So there is actually a lot of onus here on the wrestlers and not just the promotions, but it's also the fans and the fans kind of realizing these are statements and they may sound great, but zero of this has actually come into practice. And before getting too excited and making kind of biggest assumptions and the rest of it, it's like, no, wait and see. I will be like, take like, it's at a point where the trust levels from companies don't exist. So they are going to have to be transparent and they are going to have to prove that these things are actually being enacted. And it's possibly only in cases when you may hear about people who aren't able to kind of be at shows and the rest of it, that you'll know that there is some enforcement of this, Mm. but um, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's a start. It's to be seen, isn't it? Because like, you know, the the pledge that, that equity have put out, it's basic stuff. They're asking for promotions to have a dignity at work policy, transport and accommodation taken care of, separate dressing rooms, a paramedic at every show, and that wrestling schools have safeguarding policies. Like, this is the basic of the basic, and it probably says something, doesn't it, Steph, about the wrestling um, in this country and elsewhere, that, like, you know, these are basic things that aren't in place. Um, but like JP says, it's a start, isn't it? This is a start. You know, Progress putting out their statement um, and their different policies as to do with, you know, wrestler conduct at shows, staff conduct at shows, what's going to be expected between, like, wrestler and fan interaction at shows. This is all good basic stuff to start at, but it's going to be what comes next, isn't it, where we can we can really judge these promotions and, and anybody who uh, who signs up to, uh, to Equities Five Pledges. Yeah, no, I think um, the progress statement was very good. I think the, all the equity steps uh, sound really good as well, and it'd be good to see every promotion sign up to them. And we'll just see how things go when wrestling starts happening again and how the wrestlers feel about it and if they feel happy and safe. Hmm. We'll, we'll see what it's like going forward but yeah, a good start yeah, definitely, and that's it I think, like you said before, JP, I'm not doing somersaults over this, like I felt like you know, when that progress statement came out it was like, yeah, these are these are good well-written policies but I would like to see action, I would like to see what's going to happen with, you know some of the wrestlers, you know, your likes of, I know they're, they yeah. said they're not going to comment on individual cases right now, but you, you know, your, your Devlins of the world that are suspended from progress, your Scotty Davises. Um, they did say, I think, that they were gonna, they were open to interviews, so maybe we'll see a bit more of that come out. I would, you know, I know Andy Quilden got maligned for his interview with Will, and we talked about that last week, but I did feel a little bit like whether I agree or disagree with Andy Quilden, I at least knew where he was coming from. I knew where his stance was on certain wrestlers in, in his promotion. I would like him to, you know, and that company to sign up to this. And I would like to see, you know, written, laid out statements on, on their website that I hope and believe are coming later. But yeah, I, I would like, I want to see what comes next. Like I say, it's, it's not easy to put these policies together. So I'm not saying, you know, this is the easy step. I'm just saying this is the, okay, this is the, we want this, but we also want to see action. Um, and I would uh, like to, you know, progress out a lot of issues um, that came out over the speaking out uh, movement and over the last few months. And I would like to, yeah, hear a little from them particularly. I would like to hear a little bit more. Um, and in general, yeah, I would just like to see, you know, actions um, on top of the, you know, really, really, you know, well put together and, you know, well-intentioned uh, words that we're seeing at the moment. And it's also links with NXT UK. Mm. And it's that kind of stuff. And 
because then what happens there because that's obviously directly implicated there's, there's a lot of people there who are directly implicated with so many of the, so many of the allegations so is there going to be a connection there because if mm. so that seems like that's going to be an enormous red flag mm. definitely definitely so yeah i'll wait and see uh kind of thing but i guess we'll see you mm. who signs up um, what else gets added onto it? Because, like we said, there's plenty, plenty more that can be done to safeguard. But yeah, a, a promising step. And as we said on this show a couple of times, we're not expecting you know Rome to be built in a day. Hopefully, as the the weeks and months go on, we uh, we get a little bit more. So, thought it was worth noting that news story there. Um, very quickly then, before we get into our reviews, and we're going to talk New Japan AEW and uh, and some other stuff that we've been watching. Uh, I did want to note as well uh, the unfortunate passing of Rollerball Rocco. Uh, if Gareth was mm. here, um, he'd be telling us all kinds. Gareth was a, a huge fan of uh, Rollerball Rocco growing up. Not to age him at all, but you know, he was. Uh, <laughs> Gareth did say himself he was a he was a big fan of uh, of Bart Rollerball Rocco. But yeah, there's been plenty of uh, wrestlers coming out with with tributes to him, and lots of talk JP of him being uh, somebody that. That I suppose you know set the standard for that modern style. You know his matches with Dan yeah. Kid and the the legacy that he's got in wrestling. Were you were you a fan? Was it some was he somebody that you watched uh, particularly closely? So I'd have been very young when I first would have seen him. Would have been like sort of six, mm. like kind of six seven when watching it like World of Sport with my granddad, and he stood out in the same way that Dave Finley always stood out for me. And my dad liked him because he was Irish, but. They stood out because they did stuff. Mm. They were exciting. They did like kind of cross bodies and drop kicks and things like that. And it seemed incredibly exciting. And I must confess, I haven't gone back and watched some of those matches. Mm. Um, and I know that will be something I would like to do just to, to kind of go back and see. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see kind of with fresh eyes. But in terms of the, the influence he would have had, because obviously he went over to Japan and, and did well over... Uh, he did well in Japan as well. Mm. This is someone who is like a real pioneer. And um, it's, it would be nice to see him kind of get like a kind of real high level of respect, whether or not WWE would do anything. Don't know. I could see new Japan saying something mm. like, because they, they, they're good in that way. Um, and it's just the fact there's no British wrestling going on. Uh, certainly much that we know about though um there it's it's a shame that there isn't kind of more of a kind of bigger tribute to him mm. yeah that's it yeah and i think i think we'll see that like in, in the days to come and i think yeah we'll have we'll obviously have gareth on here as well to uh to give his uh his yeah. tribute as well as a fan but you know it was good to see you know the likes of brett Hart come out and uh and say mm. things, and and generally, I think uh, obviously somebody who had a, a big influence uh, on wrestling in general. Um, so yeah, I would expect that. I think you know of the upcoming New Japan shows. I think we'll we'll get a bit of a tribute. You're not going to get it on Raw tonight, um, but I think you'll, you'll you'll at the very least get that. So yeah, definitely thought that was a uh, that was worth mentioning there. But uh, if we get into our, our reviews, then we were going to start off with. With some New Japan, I know you guys talked uh, plenty uh, about New Japan on the uh, the round table at the weekend, so it's a, a mm. short stop at New Japan here, I think. Um, but uh, I had to mention their the, the Summer Struggle series continued this week, and we had that uh, main event between 
one of the I think one of one of the better rivalries of the MT Arena period, Minoru Suzuki and uh, and Yuji Nagata. Um, I don't know. I gave it I gave it four on Grapple. The average is sitting at three point nine five, so I'm right just hovering above the average. I'll be honest, it was just the match that I wanted. Um, it was just two dads beating the shit out of each other, wasn't it? Bit of leg selling in there, bit of slapping. Bit of the ca- the fans uh, clapping along with uh, with some of the big hits in it. Um, the only match really of note from this week with the New Japan, but definitely one I would uh, say that's uh, well worth going out. Steph, did you did you catch this one? And uh, were you a fan? Yeah, absolutely. I'd give it a four as well. There's mm. nothing better than two older hard men <laughs> slapping the shit out of each other. What you want, New Japan dads? That is absolutely what you want. I think those two are, um, they're just a great addition to the card. Mm. I would happily see them once a month, just have a match on a card once a month where they just beat the shit out of each other. Mm. Um, It's like a a really nice break from everything else. It's just so, like, their style is just so hard hitting that it's just like so real and easy to get invested in. They don't need a storyline or anything. Mm. It's literally just two veterans trying to work out who's the toughest. And yeah. And Norris um, Suzuki's promo at the end, I don't know what he said, but it was fantastic just to see him shouting. I, I actually watched this for the first time because I watched the match uh, a couple of days removed. It was one of the mm-hmm. first shows I've watched with English commentary in a while with Kevin Kelly. And he said apparently Minoru Suzuki said at the end that um, what's coming next for him is a surprise. So basically, (laughs) fuck you. And then he left. So that was the promo. (laughs) That's Suzuki. You're going to get that. Um, It was actually, you know what? It was quite an experience watching New Japan again with an English commentary. You could could kind of tell, because I I watched a couple of the prelim matches as well, just to kind of have on in the background. And you could very much tell Kevin Kelly wasn't there. You could very much tell he was trying to feign excitement for like the, you know, the umpteenth time that Okada and the Bullet Club have been opposite each other in, the, in like a six-man or whatever. Or, you know, Gado and Okada going back and forth. And yeah, you could tell he doesn't really care. Um, but yeah, it was quite quite good actually to get him there, to have him there, um, filling in some of the blanks that we've uh, we've been missing these uh, these last few weeks. Uh, did, did you manage to catch it, JP? I assume you didn't watch any of the rest of uh, the cards from the uh, no. Summer Struggle stuff. No, just Suzuki, just Suzuki Nagata. Dad fight um, later. It looked like the type of scrap yeah. I could imagine happening in that pub near you. I could see it like Absolutely. on the street, the two of them. Just going at it. Oh, the one near me? Yeah, yeah, you really could, actually. <laughs> Even more so in the other pub just round the corner. Which car, doesn't feel it? very Oxford, yeah. <laughs> it's not all fucking spires and brideshead revisited here. There's a, there's a bit of darkness going on as well. Um, I went 3.75 for it. Mm. It was it was good. It was what entirely what I expected. The fact they're both over 50 yeah. and they're able to put a match like that together and the things you kind of take from it. And in this period, like you guys have kind of said, it, it's something to kind of latch on to. It's, it's comfort food mm. at a time when you can't go out. Or we could go out to a restaurant and get 50% off, but that's only Monday or Wednesday. And this happened, you know, on, on the weekend. So I don't know where I'm going with that <laughs> weird analogy. Yeah, 3.75. It was all right. It was title, good. Title of this podcast going to have to be Monday to Wednesday. Now we've done so much shilling on that policy. <laughs> Get out, eat out. There you go. That's the one. Could be taken wrong. No. Anyway, <laughs> it was. Uh... 
<laughs> it's a good match anyway and worth watching um yeah there's not much else going on in new japan this week really is there we just kind of got the same multi-mans um on, well, yeah, i think on um, what was that who was off like two shows mm. oh he's injured which, wasn't he yeah that really really just uh, blocked down the card there mm. Yeah, it's got some problem. They're trying to like fill, put things back together. They've got the uh, the never six man tournament they're going to be doing, uh, which oh, is who just gives a, a shit about that. It's just a way of filling up the cards again, isn't it? Um, is it? You say there was a tournament going on in the US as well, Jay? Is that yeah? With the, that, that's the, the Japan strong. See, that'll be for yeah. you. You'll enjoy that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm all over that, and that looks. It's the most interesting of the tournaments for me. Mm. I mean, it seems like a tournament designed for Kenta to win. I mean, I haven't got the brackets to hand at the moment, but it looks like that there's him, there's um, uh, Carl Fredericks. I think Juice Robinson is in there as well, or is he injured? Yeah, I just got the card. So it's Carl Fredericks and Kenta meeting first, Jeff mm-hmm. Bob, Tangaloa, Dave Finley, Chase Owens, Brody King, and Tamatonga. That's. It's pretty, yeah. pretty decent, proper, feels more like a proper New Japan lineup than you might expect. Yeah, I think I think uh, Kenta might win this. It mm. seems designed for that. And or, like, if you were really going to push Carl Fredericks, though, I don't know. I feel like they're behind him. Mm. I don't know if they are to the degree, because they had him lose the last match to Cobb. Mm. So I could see the big first win he has as a singles would be against Cobb. That would be something I could see them building to for this. I, I, I think with this, it's it would be about keeping Kenta in, Kenta in mind and just sort of keeping him out there for the time being. Um, but of these, because it seems like it's fine because it just exists for a television program for mm. a few weeks, and they just sort of seem to be trialling a lot of this content as well for New Japan USA. And it's like, well, why not? Mm. You've got them there. If you've got access to them, they'll be able to tape it relatively quickly before, and they're California as well. So I know they're obviously a bit stricter on the rules because they've got, well, a decent governor (laughs) um, compared to so many of the other states that don't. Um, It's whether or not they'll be able to go in, tape it, and then just kind of leave it alone. But I'll be interested to see what other kind of content they look at doing in the meantime. For sure. Uh, well, moving on yep. from New Japan to uh, a topic I know you wanted to get into, Steph, on this show, some uh, some AEW. Um, I feel like there's plenty to talk, to talk about with Dynamite, but it's been it's been a news week with AEW, and I feel like the the only place to start is after us uh, raving about it last week, JP, and uh, with Gareth, Eddie Kingston got his contract. I was so yes. happy. When I saw that. Have, have you ever seen like? I know Twitter can be a dumpster fire at the best of times. Maybe it's just my timeline, but literally everybody to a man, like from fans to people who work in the industry to wrestlers, just delighted for Eddie Kingston. Didn't hear one negative word about it. I think even the people who might have doubted him, like once you saw that promo before the match with Cody and the promo after as well, never mind the match itself, I think he made himself undeniable at that point. I was so happy for Eddie Kingston. Like, uh, I assume you were a fan of that segment, Steph, as well. A contract well earned, I would say. Oh, absolutely. I that that uh, dynamite. I actually stayed up to watch live, and mm. I wasn't intending to, mm. but I I was actually in a really bad mood with wrestling due to um, having to talk about the Bray Wyatt Swamp fight, which <laughs> is something that. 
and never want to talk about again. So when I ended up accidentally staying up for Dynamite, I was literally in the mood of I hate wrestling. And that was the first thing that came on. And I was so happy and excited and to hear like such an amazing promo um such realism after you've just talked about an actual dumpster fire that was a swamp fight like it made me just in that second love wrestling again and then to look on the timeline of twitter like when people are usually moaning Mm. all the time about wrestling it was a universal praise like Mm. there was there's not there's not been anything since the pandemic started that has brought wrestling fans together in a positive way like Eddie Kingston appearing in Dynamite. So yeah. I'm so yeah. happy you guys contract. There's gonna be so <clears throat> there's so many great possibilities of what you could do with him. Oh totally. Like I I joked about like teaming up with LAX and V run the OG's LAX storyline from Impact, but with people actually watching this time, I'll take that. I'll take him doing, you know, a str- so I think it was um, Bushby who put on Twitter about like just a match with Moxley. I'll take that. Like I will take anything you can do with Eddie Kingston. And I think like that's the point as well. Like to what you're saying, Steph, that okay, the thing with Eddie Kingston is yet, yeah, he's had a 20 year indie career and maybe there aren't loads of great years left. But there's loads, still loads of possibilities of what you can do with him. Like I say, as a manager, as a personality, like it's just yeah, he's. It's not just that he's earned this and he deserves it. There are plenty of interesting things you can do on that TV. Like if you can't do something with Eddie Kingston, there's a problem to be honest because he is that versatile and he is that good a talker and actor and personality. Yeah, like I don't want a fantasy book, but I think my dream would be um, because just because of the way like Jericho's character is right now. Mm. And I'm going to love whatever Jericho does, but I think especially because he has publicly stated that he didn't know who Eddie Kingston was. I want Jericho to end this orange Cassidy feud. And then suddenly on an episode of dynamite, like Eddie Kingston literally just appear behind him and be yeah. like, so he was and like started to start a feud with those two like going at each other in the mic kind of bring like a bit of the more aggressive jericho that we saw in new japan back out on aw and just have him go for kingston and then the end later i would definitely want to see kingston moxley as well though that'd be awesome but that you can also tie it into santana and ortiz yeah you go down the jericho right. route as well yeah. well i imagine at this stage jericho's already taped to talk his jericho episode with him Oh, yeah. Which would be a great listen just for the, the kind of sheer amount of stories that he would have as well. Mm. He's the antithesis of anything that WWE have. Mm. And that's quite a position to be in when you're producing a television product that you're going to want to put captivating characters and promos on screen. And he really delivers in that in the most authentic of ways. And, I mean, like you, go, you guys have said, there are so many... Hello. Well, at least it's not a sound that's not me coughing in the background. <laughs> so. I was kayfaving that, Joe. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I'm fine. I just had to leave before I died. I'm riddled with the COVID. That's the problem. <laughs> Absolutely riddled with it. Um, so, but I think with, with Eddie Kingston, what he offers is something unique at a time when you can get people perhaps that bit more interested in a character like that probably more so than at any other time Mm. because there's a kind of level of authenticity and credibility just about the way that he kind of carries himself that's different and unique and it's 
and, and I think there's a possibility of it being connected. And it's also the fact that you want, you know, that all the other people want to work with him. They want to do promo battles with him. Mm. You know that MJF will want to do a promo battle with him. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of stuff in the future just, it just bodes well. There's so many good feuds you can have within this. How much in terms of wrestling he can go in the ring, like he's able to work around it, but that's also part of the character as well, isn't it? That mm. he is breaking down. So you can play that and have the rough around the edges stuff, which works so well with Cody. So yeah, delighted with him and it's a complete no brainer of a signing. And it's a bit of good news, like you said, Steph, when, when yeah. we absolutely needed it. Um, how did we all think Warhorse did in the, uh, in the same slot uh, with Cody this week? Um, I don't know. I thought it was fine. Uh, it, it was definitely yeah. a step down from Kingston, wasn't it? It was like you could tell what they were going for, Cody in there with like the indie dudes, and he's like fighting from underneath, and Cody's trying to like you know say he doesn't take him seriously at the start, and by the end he's in disgrudging respect. Something about it just didn't land for me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was comparing it with the Kingston thing the week before. But I mean, they can't all be home runs, though. Bit of, I suppose, national TV exposure for Warhorse. Not the worst thing, but I don't know. Are you guys particularly familiar with him? He seems like somebody to be on your radar, JP. Uh, the Warhorse. Uh, him Not and Dan really House, and they're like the, the Twitter meme wrestlers of the, uh, the moment, aren't they? Yeah, and Effie. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not as familiar. What I thought about it, when he kind of came out, is it? It felt very indie, mm. to be it honest. Was so indie, indie riffic, like yeah. I thought I thought it was bad. Um, yeah, I I couldn't get on board with it. I was thinking, you know, this sounds horrible as well, but it's just not something for that level, especially it, with no crowd, because a crowd could have carried yeah. that, and it just made it awkward, didn't it? Without it, it did, and the match itself wasn't wasn't that great. Mm. I felt like I and I, I, I just sort of couldn't get engaged with it. I thought it was sloppy at points. And it, it and it sounds, all of this stuff sounds like incredibly harsh, but it's just like, you're kind of thinking at the level that it needs to be. And the week before you saw the, the epitome of what it is. Mm. And I love the idea. I'm down with the idea of getting like different types of people, independent wrestlers, possibly a veteran in there as well. I see there's a Ricky Morton match in there at some point just for shits and giggles. Oh, yeah. Canadian but, Destroyer, it's happening. Yeah, like some sort of nonsense like that. I can get why that, that's the case. But at the same time, this one didn't connect for me. But the people who like him, like him. Mm. Um, but I don't think it... Yeah, not for me. Is he signed? No. No, he's not been signed. No. I think... Um, like the idea, the open challenge idea is brilliant, but some things don't translate. And for me, that that did not work on television. Um, it did seem totally indie. It's like this heavy metal guy coming out with no crowd, just acting wild. We don't know who he is. Skinny. It was just, it wasn't a great match. And it just, I, it, I don't know. It To me, it felt like after everything that we talked about with Kingston that made it so great, this just seemed like a bit too jokey. Mm. Just not the kind of thing that I would put on a television show. I'd I'd rather like with some of the names you mentioned. I'd rather see Effie out there than Warhorse. I think mm. he'll be coming because that's the thing about this this challenge. I think it's like I think there came a point though where 
it's well-intentioned Cody doing this open challenge, but he can't yeah. really just go through and beat the whole roster. I feel like that might be a mistake. So <laughs> I, I do like the way they've took this turn and they've started bringing people in from the outside. Uh, and mm. I think you are. You're going to get hits and misses when you do that, aren't you? It's probably someone... It's probably a named Cody seen Bandy the Bowels and thought, oh, that's somebody cool. He's over on Twitter. Let's give him a shot. And yeah, I don't think it particularly works, but, you know, I wouldn't rule it out like picking another one of like the... You know, the, the hot indie names or like a GCW name or something. Nick Gage, that's the one. I want to see Nick Gage and Cody next week. Um, Nick Gage, that would, I, I would want them to put that on a bigger stage. I think, <laughs> like, if they're going to do, if Cody's going to basically have an, if he has an open challenge on the pay per view, I'd want it to be like Nick Gage and no one know about it <laughs> and just him hit. That would be amazing. Full Nick Gage. Here's one. Here's one I could see him doing because there's a documentary coming out about him soon. David Arquette. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd enjoy that. He would absolutely do David Arquette. Cody sure. as well, like the WCW links. Like, you know, he'd love that. Yeah. It'd be a one week, one, maybe like a couple of skits or whatever for another week. You're not bringing in David Arquette to wrestle more than one match. <laughs> there's a test of Cody. That's that's the test. <laughs> I'm gonna be gutted if it doesn't happen now. Um, but yeah, we uh, obviously we had that match on Dynamite. We the other big news story of the match was uh, was Zack Ryder coming out, Cody getting uh, attacked by Dark Order goons, and um, the former Zack Ryder, or is he Mac Cardona? Um, yeah. This was an unfortunate part of Excalibur not being there, which we'll probably mention in a minute. You've got Taz on the call, and it couldn't have sounded any more impact. Where he was like, "That's that's." That's Matt Cardona. We know him. Like, how many episodes of Impact did that happen on JFA where it was like, that's that's Matthew Morgan, now known as whatever his TNA name is. It's Andrew the Punisher Martin. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing in the Impact Zone, Taz? Yeah, it was very that, wasn't it? Like, I'll be honest, like, Impact can get away, especially now, Impact can get away with this. Like, they've loaded their TV with ex-WWE dudes who've just been released whatever your impact what else are you gonna do i think that's fine zach Ryder for me kind of fits into that category no like i just think oh the counter argument is like a lot of the people who run AEW, he's like someone who got himself over he used the internet he was one of the first people on youtube in 2011 again almost a decade ago which is the counterpoint to the counterpoint like i can kind of see the logic that oh yeah WWE didn't use him right and he could have been more over than he was but i don't know after 10 years of being at that level in wwe i just kind of feel similar to um what's his name 10 guy um sean spears sean spears like You've got to, at that point, you've got to cut bait and go, this, just, this guy can't be rehabbed. And I thought maybe Cody might have learned a lesson from Spears in that he can't really be rehabbed. I feel a little bit like we're doing it again with Zack Ryder. I know he's got the short-term contract, so maybe you can do a quick story in and out, but I don't know. Something about it was just, sorry, JP, very TNA about it. And just, I oh, it was. It didn't feel like they were learning the very recent lessons of what you do when you bring in someone who's been just so done down, despite whatever potentially might have had at one point. And that's it. And you could build it up, and there's a number of things you could do around it. I think what it is, is it's the kind of test for what has always been the argument about the former Zack Ryder that he has this kind of big, big fan base. And it's a lot bigger than we realise. And it was, it was, you know, one of those kind of initial people to kind of really use social media in order to, to get a profile and kind of get himself over in that way. Yep. 
here's the test if it means anything. Like, how does this work? Mm. It's difficult to see how he stands out other than he's physically impressive. But like he's massive. it looked he looked enormous mm. compared to the to the that the second of the dark order teams. Mm. So but it's only I I did I see something it was only like a five yeah, sort five, of match five weeks. Five, five weeks. Yeah. In some ways that's fine. You're doing it you're kind of testing the water, but you're not committing yourself. He's not also committing himself, but also getting a little bit of work in the meantime. It could work out. It's an interesting one. And that might be what ultimately they're doing. They're going to go, right, we're going to have you on for five weeks and see the reaction and see if this is any kind of a ratings move. Does it feel like stuff that kind of connects and integrates with the story? If it doesn't, then he's gone. And it's not like they've saddled him with two to three years. It's it's a thing of maybe you, you come in and see, see how he gets on. And that might be the thing that he wants as well. He might think, I don't really want to commit myself necessarily to anyone. There's the whole kind of, thing about him wanting to do the indies once they're up and the rest of it especially around the northeast and new york and long island and that Mm. kind of stuff so i'm probably a bit more kind of wait and see but the presentation oh yeah that was you know chef's kiss from jeff he (laughs) loved that yeah i think steph maybe if there was a crowd would they got away with it better you know because i think you would have got a big response from a live crowd um But even Perhaps then, it's still Zachary. Like I, I thought it was so bad to be honest. I thought him appearing was so bad. The way he walked to the ring mm. was terrible. He could not have been uh, less enthusiastic <laughs> to go to the ring. He's so Jack now as well. Mm. Uh, he's uh, out of that uh, WWE testing system. It looked like, <laughs> but he was. Mad. Oh yeah, he's saying his prayers and taking his vitamins. Brother. Yeah. But like I was listening to the um, the AW podcast on Voices of Wrestling today, and I think they put it right where they were just saying like, "Who is Zack Ryder for though? Like this is a guy that's been in WWE for over ten years, and yeah, they didn't give him the right shot, but at the same time, he did stay there for so long mm-hmm. that it's at the point where he can't really break out, and it's not like the same situation as Moxley was in." where he can break out and say, actually, I'm really great. They just didn't give me the chance or whatever. It's like with Zack Ryder, it's been so long that I'm just not really sure he has anything to offer. But I do really like his figures podcast, so I do feel bad saying anything. That is is a counterpoint I actually heard, though, about that podcast, that like there is like a big fandom to that. Mm. And then I suppose AEW aren't aren't they launching their figure, a few figures this week? Yeah, in Walmart. Mm-hmm. So there's a tie in there, I suppose. If I want to be, yeah. Honestly, I think the real tie in is just that he's Cody's mate. Like yeah. I, I think it breaks down to he's just Cody's mate, and that's it. <laughs> I think if he was like in the crowd, and they were like, "Oh, you know, the former Zack Ryder's here so, to watch the show," and he gets dragged into an angle like by a big heel or something like that, you know what I mean? Gets dragged over the barricade or tries to help Cody. Eddie Kingston sparks him out, you know, something like that. Like, I might have been more into it than them trying to give him the big entrance and act like it was a big deal. I think that's where you lost me, to be honest. Uh, somebody did mention that, by the way, on Twitter, that they should just do a rehash. Remember the angle where Kane put him in a wheelchair and pushed him off a stage? Just do that again with Eddie Kingston. That could that could be a great use of Zach. Write him off after the five weeks just by doing that with Eddie Kingston. Maybe, maybe I'll be more into it if that happens, but... 
Yeah, you can't present him as a star, I think, is the issue. If he was more of an everyman, more of this is just Cody's mate, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, think it, I do other... wonder if they'll do a Cody's mate storyline and the idea of using his connections to get in. Because yeah. I've often wondered whether or not it's who turns heel first for me. It's whether you do a Cody or Kenny one. Kenny is the one that would make more sense, really. Mm. And he's at the point where he needs it more and Cody's a... Cody says there's no face. heels or faces, though, doesn't he? That's what Cody says. Mm. <laughs> they don't exist anymore, apparently. Yeah. But you could see it becoming like a kind of good storyline angle to use against Cody. Mm. About, yeah. like, kind of new people not being denied chances for him to get his mates in and the rest of it. it, it you know, there are ways that they're willing to do it and acknowledge it that are a lot more interesting than what you'd see other companies do. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's the time it's come out as well because, you know, spoilers here for next week's uh, AEW, so jump ahead if, if you if you don't want those. But, like, it's coming at a time where, one, they've started using Vicky Guerrero, which to me, like, is... Uh, Vicky Guerrero... This is, the, this is the widow of wrestling legend Eddie Guerrero that Vince McMahon just took one look at and went wrestling heel. She annoys me. Let's put her on TV and make her a Karen. Like, that was, like, the entire genesis of the Vicky Guerrero character. For, the, for AEW to continue that on and that on their show is just low rent to me. So coming around the same time as that is terrible, but also coming, around, coming along the same time as apparently Eric Bischoff is coming in next week. That's the rumor anyway that he's the... Um, they're doing a best... It's not State of the yeah. Union, is it? The debate between Jericho and Orange Castle. And he's coming in. Like, I don't know. Some of these ideas coming out right now just feel a little bit like going back in time, maybe. That has to be a one and done with Bischoff. Like, mm. if it's one and done, like, fine. That's kind of funny. But it, it cannot be anything more than that. Like, I do not want to see him on TV again. Mm. Yeah, you'd have to imagine Tony Khan is too smart for that. Mm. Surely. Really one, I was thinking something with MJF kind of one and done in, in that regard mm. or something along those lines but it's definitely going to be for the Jericho Cassidy debate is that right not definitely yeah. that's the rumour I don't think it's that's the rumour okay. mm. yeah I mean yeah if it's anything more than that and if he starts oh he sounds like he knows what he's talking about no no mm. get him out you shove him out the door <laughs> and you keep a stern keen eye out for Vince Russo because mm. he'll try that shit as well <laughs> no way Tony Khan could be could fall for Vince Russo like you no. read too many newsletters honestly he's like a he's like a dark necromancer honestly <laughs> he has a pull on some people in like the worst possible way mm. in the Game of Thrones way he's like um, do you remember that that um, the hand to yeah. Cersei at the end yeah no not Littlefinger the really kind of dark doctor guy who oh, reanimates right, yeah. big lad. Yeah. Yeah. Him. <laughs> That's what Russo's like. <laughs> well, speaking of Russo, like another big uh, point from this last week, Dynamite was uh, that MJF promo. I've heard people loving it and I've heard people absolutely hating it and talking about it as Russo-esque. I finally saw it tonight. I was late watching Dynamite. I Am I wrong? I thought it was a good promo. Like I know he went a bit inside with talking about TV ratings and how Moxley is protected and has this big push and you know he comes from the land of Titans I think is the way he put it uh, yeah. and I thought it was a pretty good promo I, I, you know MJF 
feels like challenger of the month for for Moxley. I can't mm. if this this is the match for all out, isn't it? And I can't see MJF having a chance of beating Moxley. Um, probably the time to do this match, to be honest, while it's still uh, still empty arenas and maybe not been something maybe uh-huh. a, a touch bigger. But I actually thought the promo was good. I mean, where did you guys land on it? I definitely saw a lot of debate on that that this last week, and yeah, I didn't I didn't particularly have a problem with the insidery shoot stuff that uh, that he laced in there. I thought it was fine because most of the problem when people talk about the insidery shoot stuff is it never led anywhere. It never led to a match. It never led to storylines. It was Russo putting it in because he thought that's what the audience wanted. Mm. And he kind of completely misread how small that segment of viewers was at the time. Mm. Whereas this, when you think of it in a kind of logical terms, John Moxley was a big star in WWE who's come in and is now the champion. He's young and fresh and he wants that title opportunity. And he uses a couple of psychological kind of digs at him. I don't think it's really like reading much more into it and the kind of other stuff. That's part of the MJF character, though. Mm. That's part of what he's doing. Part of it is meant to be slightly breaking the fourth wall. And it's it's done with this kind of like rather than a wink and a nod, it's done with a kind of sneer. And for these next few weeks, they're looking at an opportunity of like, okay, he's a great talker. Let's see if he can talk people into buying in this show and go with him on it. I mean, whether or not you want to have him in matches in the build-up to it, I don't know. I agree with you. I think it's a good way to go. I think it's a good start for, like, as a match to do at this point in time. I don't think it hurts MJF to lose this match. I think it just adds kind of fuel to the fire. He's been on a really good run recently, MJF. I think at the point we were very critical on him. It might have been after the Cody match in particular. We are just sort of very sort of down. And he really seems to have responded to that in a lot of ways, like he's taken a lot of the kind of criticisms he would have received and kind of really gone with it. Mm. So I like this as a match and Moxie will know how to do some of the bells and whistle stuff to get around it. You've got Wardlow there as well, who I'm always impressed with. And I like the presentation because you kind of fear that he's going to, he was going to do a Donald Trump spoof is what I thought with the long red tie and the blue suit. I was like, Oh, I'm not really sure here. I thought it was a, it was a great promo Mm. and it was. It felt like it's what you should be doing when you're building to a big pay per view match. How about you, Steph? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. Like I actually could have done without all the political stuff, um, and just rather have them come out and cut that promo. It's weird like, they did that the same week that they're promoting Jericho and Orange Cassidy doing like a debate next week, like. Mm-hmm. Are we in election season or something? I don't really understand. Like, but why are we doing? Yeah, both we of are. These? Is that what it is? Is, is it? Well, do you have yeah. to do both. Amer- like, yeah. America is in a permanent state of election. <laughs> it is like so. Are we it to is. be fair, yeah. can't really talk. Yeah, I think um, MJF. Like he, he can at least carry that off. His delivery is really good. I was uh, impressed. You know, I'm always impressed by his delivery and his content. I just didn't need like a podium and a woman with a clipboard and all that kind of stuff because to me that's just literally it's just a bit silly like i just look at that and think that's a bit silly mm. but um i think yeah, he's a good contender for moxley but he's he's certainly not going to win and he's certainly not ready for that but then when you've got a guy like him on that's on the way up i mean really what else where else is there for him to go other than take a challenge with moxley mm. it feels like but a- I- Oh, go on. So, 
I was just going to say, I just hope that they don't break up him and Wardlow yet because I really think Wardlow is just probably going to be a breakout star of AEW. Like, I'm really, really high on him, but I just don't want a turn happening too soon. Mm. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, because that could be the thing that moves him up doing that feud or, you know, having one or the other, well, probably uh, not MJF turning babyface and doing that. You want a longer build up to that, though, at some point. Mm. Um, Yeah, to be honest, like, I, you know, you said before, JP would be a harsh on MJF after the the Cody match. I think I was the, maybe the, the, the odd one out on that where I, thought the match was fine and i thought that uh, i don't think i expect miracles from mjf in ring i expected better of the match and the match wasn't i thought it was good and it could have been great actually something about a moxley match just feels like a better style match especially on a pay-per-view um i could be wrong but i could see moxley doing something with mjf and like we're saying mjf not losing anything by by losing that match and just being a good you know, just another thing to say, you know, okay, yeah, he's not quite a main eventer yet, but he's in that role where he can, when we need him, we can slot him in there and he can, okay, yeah, you're not going to get your, your five-star match out of him, but if we get some really good promos between the two of them in the build-up and we get a more story-style match that's maybe at least a notch above that Cody match, I think I'll be quite satisfied with that, to be honest. I think I'll be I'll be quite into that. Um yeah, so I'm kind of hopeful of that. Um, that does seem to be the, the biggest angle going to, towards All Out. Um, they're still carrying on with the Jericho Orange Cassidy stuff. We obviously had the big mm. uh, the big multi-man at the start of the show, and then we had the promo segment with Jericho as well. Uh, I don't know, Steph, any, any notes on any of that from the show or, or anything else at all that, that stood out for you on this week's Dynamite? Yeah, are you going to skip over the debut of Ariane? A.K.A. Cameron. <laughs> Big star. That was the most unexpected thing that has happened <laughs> on a wrestling show in months. Like, <laughs> of all the people. I know. Ariane, like, I, I think I, it actually made me smile because if you've ever watched Cameron and Total Divas, like, she was absolutely hilarious. And then she just disappeared. So I do wonder why of every woman wrestler in the world it's former Cameron that you're giving a shot to <laughs> but she's not was... wrestled in years either has she she's literally done nothing since she left WWE yeah she's not she didn't like go to the indies or anything it's been I think four years that hmm. she's basically done nothing I wonder if she's still with did you ever see her in Total Divas with her boyfriend Vinny I remember that yeah, I remember Vinny being a recurring character yeah yeah, he was like the breakout star of the early seasons of Total Divas for sure. But it was just very random, and we'll see how it goes. Like maybe she's been spending four years secretly wrestling training. Like we don't know. Hmm. But um, <laughs> it was just that just genuinely made me laugh. Like Cameron, she's back, and she's teaming with Nyla Rose. <laughs> wow. She could have been working the like Joshi dojos or something in that four years. <laughs> Just like going right, I'm just going to come out like the second coming of Bull Nakano here. <laughs> just tear through people. I just whoever thought of that, like, but you know, I'll, I'll give her a chance. But it's just in some ways, I'm like more willing to give someone like her a chance though than Zack Ryder, to be honest, mm. because you know she. Um, he he did just stick around in WWE and take it, and I'm yeah, I'm just in some way I'm higher on Cameron than I am 
with Zack Ryder for sure. You're the high person on camera, then. <laughs> to be fair, they need, yeah. I think they need bodies, don't they, for this women's tournament? Um, mm. Which they're doing on YouTube primarily, which seems a decision. That made everyone angry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard people make the counterpoint that, like, a lot of the, you know, it's not particularly high level um, wrestlers that we've got in this tournament. And that some of the wrestlers in the tournament might not be ready for Dynamite. But I suppose the obvious answer is, well, Sign better wrestlers for your tournament. I don't know. Um, yeah. Odd one though, yeah, that they're doing it primarily on YouTube. I don't really mind that because it kind of gives it its own, you know, like that's its own show. It's mm. just for these. Um, though that's only good if people actually watch it. Mm, that's so true. I hope they prom- actually promote it for people to watch it. And perhaps when the tournament goes on and we get to like semi-finals or whatever they can put those on dynamite mm. i'm not as against it being its own like youtube thing mm. but as well like aw for such a new company like they're it is a pretty big roster and if you watch dynamite they do have so many people and so many matches that it doesn't surprise me that they thought like just like give this its own show on youtube mm. That's it. They're already having to cycle people in, aren't they? The week to week. Uh, maybe that's part of the decision making as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose apart from that, um, obviously there was a lot of uh, inner circle stuff on the show. Um, I'm surprised they're going back to Orange Cassidy again in Jericho next week. Um, maybe they're expecting it to uh, to pop a rating again. I don't know. Um, I think that's an interesting direction that they're going in. Um, I think they think it'll pop a boy right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're thinking that there is in some ways this is like kind of big market research time isn't it mm. you get to invest in people perhaps at a level that you wouldn't have normally be doing in these circumstances mm. but you've got the opportunity to kind of try it mm. and with Orange Cassidy it seems like they're building up to the big win over Jericho mm. as much as anything at this stage which obviously would be an amazing moment in front of fans and that's not going to be the case there mm. um Sorry, just very quickly, I wanted to go back to, in terms of the television um, products that they're, they're looking to make for the women's tournament. Mm. They've already got Dark, and Dark is massively bloated as it is. Mm. Yeah. The idea of another YouTube, it just seems like it would get lost in the shuffle. It's not like Dark does like a consistent half a million a week. I don't think it does anything kind of close to those kind of numbers. I get the idea that it's kind of not ready for prime time, and then you kind of get into the issue of why do you book the tournament then as well. I get the idea of having some matches on Dark mm. in order to make Dark seem like, well, there's actually some matches with some stakes here that's worth watching as well. I get that and having a couple of matches, um, a much more featured tournament matches on the show itself. That I'm, I'm, I'd kind of be more on board with if they use Dark in that better way for it. Because obviously that's where they've been building up a lot of the the kind of less notable um, wrestlers that are going to be having in the tournament. A lot of them are from Dark. Mm. The problem with Dark is like they they use it to build up people and even sometimes storylines, but they don't reference it enough on Dynamite. Mm. And they need to get into the habit of of, of pointing viewers towards Dark more yeah, and like, making that seem like it kind of matters. Yeah, like Ricky Starks heel turn. Like I had no idea about that until JP yeah. told me about it on the show. You know, I yeah. watch Dynamite every week. And the the whole thing about um, uh, Ali leaving 
butchering the blade and going mm. with QT and all that stuff was dark stuff. That oh, was it? I didn't even know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was like a big deal that they never referenced why she had suddenly turned like normal again from being the bunny. Mm. Um, they just don't, they don't reference it enough. And if they're going to, they should literally take a minute or two in every dynamite to just do a quick dark recap. I think that would help. So much, and hopefully they'll recap this women's tournament on Dynamite too, and let people know it's actually happening. Yeah, I think that's going to be important, especially for yeah, you know, for the detractors. If at least there's that, mm-hmm. and they do something with the later rounds being on TV, I think that would probably satisfy everyone. But yeah, you need that, don't you? It's a bit like the the problem they had, um, where like they just assumed everybody was watching being the elite, and it was like. You know, yeah. we all see the being the elite numbers. It's a couple of hundred thousand. It's not like the dynamite audience. You can't just continue your stories on there and expect us all to know what's going on. Uh, you do get that sometimes with AEW, I think. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention from the two you thought was intriguing: Arn Anderson with uh, with FTR. Are we, are we getting that Horseman stable that we've been uh, threatening for a while? That feels like that. That's where they're going. I, I think uh, just in general, yeah. FTR we're just marking out to be in there with Arn Anderson. I think in that. Uh, that backstage segment. Oh, go on. No, go on, Seth. Oh, so I just said it was their dream come true. Like, <laughs> it literally, like this, this is all they've ever wanted. So, I mean, good for them. I wasn't sure that it totally made sense, given that he's with Cody and just, I, I don't know. But, yeah, let the boys have their dream. <laughs> this is what they got out of New York for. This is what they escaped from New York for. So New York, <laughs> they got to cosplay as the Brainbusters. That's all they've ever wanted in life, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it it feels like they know that people want this. Mm. Like a four horsemen stable led by Cody with Arn and the JJ role, and you've got the um, and you've got FTR in there as well. It's stuff that they know people want, but they're just going to hang tight on it. Is what they see. They can see that that's that's kind of where you're going, and it's what we spoke about, kind of um, like on the last show mm. where we went through AEW and we said that we kind of appreciate the fact that they just like laying these kind of seeds for things, and you don't want them to happen straight away because they wouldn't feel organic if they did. That they're going to take time, mm. so you kind of know that there's stuff kind of coming around there, and at this stage we're just in the laying somewhat obvious hints and a couple of red herrings here and there. And I'm fine with that kind of storytelling because it feels a lot more rewarding than you end up in the situation where NXT is, don't you? Mm. Where you're just throwing shit up against the wall and then very soon you're not left with that much. And we've got an interesting few weeks, I think, coming up with AEW. They've got, um, I think, because of the basketball coming up, they've been preempted a few weeks. Mm. They're actually uh, going head-to-head with TakeOver. I think it's on SummerSlam weekend, isn't it? On a Saturday night. That'll be interesting. I feel like That feels like a little bit of payback. That feels like you fuckers have messed with us so much. We're going to mess with your network pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, it, I mean, they obviously have been forced to move the show, but that'll be an interesting little Saturday night battle. I want to see a bit more of that. I want to see a bit more of a AW uh, smacking back a little bit and, uh, and going for the jugular with their next thing. And imagine TNT will be really heavily promoting those basketball games as mm. well. It'll be interesting to see if there's a knock-on effect from having a, a basketball, a, having like a kind of major sports property mm. that you're not competing with, but in fact you're either the lead. Is it are they the lead-in into the basketball rather than the the kind of 
following on from it? Or are they doing what they did here by having games at all manner of the day in order to catch up in the backlog? Yeah, there's a lot of if that. It ends up that. If it ends up that there's a basketball game before they're on, hmm. it could be great. That could be a really good thing. That could be a hell of a lead-in into it. Hmm. I'll be interested to see if it has any notable effect. Um, whether or not it's people tuning in before it's there. The TNT decide to push it by saying, we've got basketball followed by AW Dynamite. Mm. These are the kind of things that if they do, it, it could really work because this is not the Westminster dog show. This is not like, you know, it, it, it's not like there, there is a crossover audience between who would watch AW and who would watch um, basketball on TNT. And I think at some point, AEW will want a much more kind of obvious link up with the amount of basketball they have on because that attracts that young, that 18 to 49 demo mm. as well. So, you know, if they're able to get some sort of tie in with that, that could be great for them. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they get like really good promotion from this because TNT do seem to be so fully behind them. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, they're, they're in that kind of, I think it's just that AEW have delivered on the basic ratings that they initially wanted, whilst also giving themselves a launching point to actually do more. And they produced a show that I imagine when it comes to social media hits and stuff like that, that TNT are also very happy with. It's probably one of the more active kind of social media accounts that they have. And, and all of these things are things that they're looking at and thinking, you know, whatever they would have spent on original programming, it probably would have ended up being a lot more if it was kind of big series like this. Definitely. Yeah, I think they've got to be a network who's happy um, with what they've got, uh, especially like during this pandemic. Like I said, with the WWE numbers, you know, AW numbers aren't killing it, but they've bounced back a little bit more to, to what we kind of had pre-pandemic. Like That was a big note for me, actually, when I put Dynamite on tonight. I was just... The intro just caught my eye, and I, it was... AW in front of crowds and it kind of reminded me like how snake bitten this company was to to they've started up they had that great run of hot raucous crowds and they were doing decent in TV ratings and then yeah they've had to run it they've actually I think that the stat is now they've run more empty arena dynamites than they did dynamites with a crowd that blew my mind when I heard that like yeah hopefully hopefully some point soon we can get back to back to that and yeah dynamite can start feeling like the the hot product uh, it was uh, pre-lockdown. Um, any more thoughts on AEW for you guys, or do we do you want to get into the uh, the main event of the evening, which is our uh, our next review? Oh, go on. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's do it, guys. Talking shop a mania happened this weekend, and I'll tell you what, I had no plans on watching this until JP bullied me into watching it, and I'm a fan of the podcast as well. I just kind of thought, ah. I wasn't at home on Saturday night, like I said earlier. If I was home, I might have slipped it on. And then I saw the reviews on Sunday morning saying how terrible it was. And I was like, ah, I probably don't need to watch this. And then JP had a little word. And I watched it. <laughs> what else are you going to do? I saw you were watching it, Steph, on Twitter on Sunday night. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to watch it now. And you know what? I, I, I told JP. Watch it. <laughs> oh, you're the you're the one who originated this. That it all starts with you. <laughs> no, I'm glad. You, I'm, oh yeah, I'm glad you talked to us into it because, like, I am I'm a huge fan of the podcast, though. Or at least I was before the break. Um, back like you know the, the original run of the podcast. Like I've got, I've even got a mark. There was I went to that New Japan uh, Rev Pro show with uh, Okada Osprey on. 
Um, and I didn't get a mark pick with Okada. I didn't get a mark pick with, with uh, Nakamura. I got a mark pick with Anderson and Gallows because I was that bigger fan of the uh, other part. I paid ten English pounds to uh, <laughs> to Luke Gallows to get that picture taken with me throwing up the Bullet Club hand sign. That's how, how much I was into the podcast. I told them I really enjoyed the podcast, and they just looked at me like, "Do you really?" Because it's terrible. Um, <laughs> That's Is it going a, in the show image? I'll have to, yeah, yeah. It's a few, it's a yeah, few it's years good. ago, so you know, put some lockdown weight on since then. I'll just say, but you know, it's a, yeah. good, it's a good photo. Um, but yeah, I've always been a fan of the podcast, and this was basically their podcast in wrestling show form, wasn't it? Like the commentary was what it was, the wrestling was what it was. But you know what? Like the podcast didn't outstay its welcome. Ninety minutes. I had a laugh watching this last night. Uh, yeah, nice one, Steph, for uh, for talking <laughs> us into it. Well, I really enjoyed it as well. It was I like I like the podcast a lot too. Um, especially like the original one. I used mm. to just listen to hear like the stories they would tell about like AJ or Balor that you know they would not want to be told. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I expected it to be totally shit, and I actually did not expect it to be like as shit and amateur as it was. <laughs> it- like wow is this really it (laughs) but at the same time like I there were points where I really really laughed at it and honestly I would rather watch something like that that's presented as a joke and just some guys messing about than this bloody swamp fight that's presented as like serious high art (laughs) like I'd much rather that but I mean I'll admit that I took an absolute laughing fit and had to pause during the match where Hornswoggle was about to come out and they said it was someone from the Muppets and I think Carl Anderson went, is it Miss Piggy? Like, I laughed so hard that I had to pause. <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when, when they were making fun of like haunt, the, the shape of Hornswoggle and his ass, that was hilarious. I was enjoying that. And the whole um, what's his name, Roy Fox mm. thing, like oh. that whole thing was hilarious. Where they're going on about the bulge in his pants. Is that what we're talking about? Is that the level we've got to? It was that, but it was also when... The level it's at, mate. When he ran off into the woods at the end. Just in, like, a thong, he just ran off into the woods. It was hilarious. And then he reappeared during the boner match. I mean, it was funny. It, it was, it was like, some points were very questionable, but it was also funny. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When, when you had to watch with a drink or maybe some other substance, I would say, JP. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be absolutely, you'd prescribe it, really, <laughs> wouldn't you? This is, like, so what made me laugh, and this sounds a bit, bit cruel, um, is the fact that Davey Portman appeared to review this. On um, post, yeah. In, in, on post, but obviously he's having to pay attention and write down what happens. <laughs> and that's half the fun of knowing somebody kind of went through that for this. It's like, wow. Like, how do you begin to kind of review it? Because it's, it's not like it's offensive or anything else. Mm. Like there's a few, ju- I mean, Gallows is funny. Yeah. Like I find like he is fu- like, there is, there are some instinctive one liners that he's just very, very good at. And, it's never There's... translated to TV ever. Like he's fucking no. so entertaining on podcasts and like silly videos and you know just in general as a human being. And then you put him on TV and he's just generic bald dude with a beard 
being all tough, isn't he? Like, it's never worked. This is the best he, presentation of Gallows, I think. Yeah, he can't play a character. He has to be himself, or mm-hmm. he has to be, like, something like Sex Ferguson that he's totally invented. Mm-hmm. He he cannot do... Just, like, he certainly could not do, like, WWE lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Came off... So, if you watch that and you see, like, what their sense of humor is, that is quite offensive and stuff like that and you remember that they're on wwe just calling people is it geeks or nerds nerds i think that they nerds. just yeah. that was it just like what like these two guys you should have just let them come up with something by themselves it it, it, do, it does make you realize for a very long time the best thing that they actually did was their entrances at the tokyo dome when they would come out they were always pretty cool like i remember one yeah. where the protect like the rocket launcher and stuff like that and all that stuff is kind of great but you're right it's it's putting them in that system i'm gonna talk about impact in a bit and you, like they're more excited taking the piss out of impact than what they appear to be working for impact, oh, yeah. which is a very worrying sign even at this early stage mm. and there was stuff i laughed i laughed the bit with the more where um uh, Carl Anderson saying about how he's the only one who can work anyway and he's like where's my fucking singles run and stuff like that just repeating what people like me would say <clears throat> and, I, and I found that genuinely funny but there's, there's some shite to get through <clears throat> although I do want to say first up I don't know how much property he is in Georgia fuck me he's got a lovely the house size oh he has and I won't. Half of the thing that I was slightly annoyed about is there was a bit where they go in the house, and they just fast forwarded through it. And I was like, actually, I'd be quite happy if you spent three minutes just walking through his house. <laughs> I'd like to see this. And it's probably because I watched a lot of that property porn, like around the kind of late two thousands, when want- a lot of it was a property ladder, location, location, location. So instinctively, I see this house, and I'm like, yeah, this is impressive. And I'm thinking, what kind of big money? Is WWE paid for this house as well? <laughs> oh, I think uh, so. Yeah. In which case you go, well, there's your reason for why they went there in the first place. Because fuck me. Like, that's a, if he's got that paid off, oh, he's no. laughing. I think from listening to the podcast, that's why they're so bitter. Him and Anderson are like, fuck, we got mortgages to pay on these massive houses now. Oh, right. And, and they sacked us during a pandemic. Yeah, they're, they're, that's why this pay-per-view even exists. I think they're, they're, getting, that oh, mo- okay. they're getting that money to, uh, to pay these mortgages off. There's, but I don't know if you guys found this as well, but a lot of the stuff that they bring up, which is kind of in relation to that for like their partners at High Spots hmm. and um, who were like presented a couple of the matches in inverted quotes, um, like you're wondering, I kept thinking, how much are they putting up? How much are they really putting up these guys? Mm. Because I have a tendency, like I don't believe them, especially over the last few months. I find it hard to believe any wrestler at the best of times. These two, when it comes to working people, which is why I think they'll fall on their feet. They will fall on their feet. They're, they're, they're not fools. These two mm. like gallows in particular, for knowing how to get the best out of the least, like, Jesus Christ, he's it's Kevin Nash levels is what he's aiming for. And he's not a million miles away, he's booked his own pay-per-view now. So <laughs> would you take my bet, Steph, that like within the next two years of this alleged two year impact contract, they've signed for AEW. Like <laughs> I feel like they're gonna work yeah. their way in. Come on. I think um I think they're they're doing the 
like they know that they fucked up basically yeah. taking the WWE thing. And I think that they don't want to be the two mates that crawl back and have to say like, please, please take me back. But instead they're saying like, let's just, we'll all be pals again and we'll be on good terms and we'll go do impact. And we're really happy with that. I'll come do a little skit with us. But really they're thinking, I hope, they turn around in like a year and be like, oh, we'll buy you out of your impact contract. Come hang again. <laughs> I think that's really what they want. But I did think the little Young Bucks um, dream sequence is very good. And that it is good to laugh about it. Like the whole, oh, well, what if a pandemic happens? Like, oh, all never the happened. Back, never happened. <laughs> like, that is 2020. <laughs> that was the highlight of the show. It was. Honestly, yeah. I, think. I mean, the Boner Yard match in and of itself was... It was, it was just a piss take of the Boneyard matches. Mm. Yeah. So Same music as well. I yeah, there were some there were some good little jokes and the brother Alan and, and you know and stuff like that, which I'm sure AJ Styles was pissing himself. Watching. Oh, there's no way he watched um, this. You think he watched it? He didn't watch it. Come on. Oh, I think I he would have did. I think that there um I always thought of their relationship, especially during the original podcast, because obviously we know what AJ is like as a person. Mm. And we know that Gallows and Anderson are the people like on the back of the New Japan bus getting wasted, and AJ's the one just quietly like playing video games, telling everyone to shut up. Like I think he likes them like two little rowdy nephews that he doesn't necessarily agree with, mm. but he loves them. So I really hope that AJ did sit and watch this completely sober and <laughs> just thought, oh. <laughs> that's my boys <laughs> <laughs> huh. I've got to be honest I watched this not sober and I was otherwise inebriated <laughs> shall we say um, JP you'd be proud and I was watching this was the commentary live or not it was it was really distracting me like I was like it looked like they were there but it looked like they definitely re-recorded all the commentary with like the edit points like it was it was really confusing me at different points maybe I'm just Early confused, easily confused, or it just speaks to the uh, the state of mind I was in. But was that was that annoying anyone else? I just thought it was odd. Uh, I think I can't say for certain whether it was live or not. I got I know I got really confused at the start, and I did I was drinking when I watched it about like Always because the, Rocky was there in between them, but his face yeah. was covered, and then the next thing it was Chavo was doing commentary. So then I started to think, was that never Rocky? And it was just a joke. And then <laughs> you heard Rocky, and it, so that's what confused me at the beginning. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they edited some of that in post. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it looks like that. It looks like they just put They've in gone, like, this the shit. Let's do this again. Yeah. <laughs> We need to do large scale of this again. And that's probably the bit at the beginning where they do it sat down talking is probably where they end up doing some of the some of the, the post production. Yeah. Um, I, I thought though, like as far as highlights go, I really enjoyed Nature Boy Paul Lee. With his, yeah, uh, I did. Apparently he's a he's a shoot millionaire in real life, came in his own it was a red Ferrari, something like that. In his uh it is it is who's Rick 
fucking entrance. Uh, he can't be a mi- real millionaire. I, I assume. <laughs> I thought that was a piss take. <laughs> that that's the, the gallows. Like is reached to pull these dudes. Like freight train was an obvious one that was going to be on the show, but he managed to like he had all like these indie bums that he knows from like his air his, his own area. But he also managed to get the flocking. He got Lodi. There was Ron Reese. Like um, sick boy, yeah. who was massive. Like, yeah, I remember the stories of him. Did you remember in Power Slam with every month they'd be like, "Oh, sick boys signed with the WWF. They're gonna they're gonna bring him over and give him a big push." That never happened for the poor lads. But looking at the size yeah. of him now, I'm like, you know what? Maybe there was some money in that. They could have done something with oh. it. You know, maybe Triple H was just bitter because he used to um, his finish was the pedigree, wasn't it? He called it the cure. So maybe there's uh, there's heat over that, and that's why his I... career went nowhere. Yeah, that, that was, was a the big online rumor at the time. They were going to feud over the pedigree, <laughs> and I, I was thinking they're going to bring in Sick Boy to feud with Triple H. Hell yeah! Over the use of the pedigree. Yeah, I could see that happening. Of course, natural <laughs> storyline. It's what people wanted. You know, it wasn't Austin versus Goldberg. It was like, mm, where's this Sick Boy Triple H feud? To that point, though, like, sakes. how did Vince ever? How did Vince not sign Ron Reese? He's like eight foot tall and he can vaguely wrestle. Like, surely Vince would have adopted. Do you reckon no one just put him across his desk and he's not aware that he ever existed? Never heard about the Yeti. I never heard about. Uh... <laughs> what was that? Yes. I said he might be aware now if he's uh, if he's catching top, talking shop mania, he'll get a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's he's it. no. He's no worse than um. Uh, what do you call him? Great Carly, is mm. he? That's mm. true. Bit more mobile and great Carly, if anything. Oh, there is that, yeah. Have you ever seen that um, great Carly giant silver match from Japan? If you want to see like the worst match you'll ever see, watch that. The two lads who can't move. Oh. My God. My God, is that bad? Uh, I feel like Ron is doing a better job. I, I think I remember hearing about it, maybe reading about it at the time and just going, no, just nightmares of giant Gonzalez and El Gigante just come to mind of just <laughs> tall people. Who shouldn't be anywhere near wrestling. The least threatening man on earth, wasn't he, Giant Gonzalez? Like, he's tall. That's all yeah. I'm going for him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, did, so do, do we reckon, um, did we all have a better time watching this than poor Davey Portman? Because I had a good time. I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed, like, the little tidbits, like, the hairs that they had there, Gallows have bought for $3,000 on eBay. Um, I enjoyed the, the, yeah. the little Young Bug segment that we mentioned before. I thought the main event was fine for what it was you know the, the just doing the the rip off of the undertaker aj match i did i didn't feel like i got ripped off from a time especially for the for the 90 minutes that it went um i don't know if i'd watch another one but it was a laugh enzo yeah i could have done without enzo i'd probably say that mm. was the low point mm. i did when he appeared i just thought oh seriously mm. <laughs> Gonna, yeah. Yeah, not the time for Enzo, I don't think. Uh, I assume he's one of Gallo's boys or something like that. Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, uh, I, I would say if anyone's going to watch it, watch the dream sequence. That mm. really is the best bit because that feels like a proper BTE bit. Mm. And it's done in that, like, especially the, I don't know, silly thing, them sitting around a table, like, banging on it, saying, singing AWAW. Mm. Like looking at the camera and then talking about the pandemic, and then just the the Bucks super kicking them, saying "Go to TNA," <laughs> like all of that stuff. Whereas TNA just seems happy to take this abuse. Yeah, seems happy yeah. to be the butt of all of these jokes. They're like, "Yep, yeah, not a problem at all." 
yep, you can take the piss as much as you want, all the rest of it. Um, got to be so good for them. Like they, I think Gallows, it was, did an interview this week where he said, like, the reason, the main reason they want it signed with Impact is Impact's willing to promote Talking Shop Mania, mm. willing to promote the podcast. They're going to help them. They want to make a beer. Like, they're able to do all that stuff. And if you actually watch that pay-per-view and know that Impact helped with it, and then you hear them chanting AEW, <laughs> you're just like, seriously, Impact? <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> is. Yeah, there's no standards when it comes to Impact, is there? They've got no, no. to stand on. They're like that manager in The Last Dance. <laughs> aren't they just having the piss ripped into them mercilessly by the talent it. yeah just having to take it <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, any other highlights lowlights from that uh, I recommend to people to watch maybe yes no maybe not uh, yeah it's only an hour and a half like when I put it on and I realised it was only an hour and a half I was like that's absolutely fine mm. you know that's that's not a big waste of time um but yeah, I would say it's good. It's a good laugh. I thought Maria looked amazing. She um, did, yeah. Only just had a yeah. baby as well. Yeah, for yeah. that. Yeah, she really did. Um, and yeah. Oh, and Brian Pillman Jr. gets on everything. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> yeah. does, he? He does. <laughs> he, he, he was pretty much the only like proper like wrestling talent on that show as far as like Karen. Mm. Like, He's the only one who did moves, him and someone else in that battle royal. That was the only time I can remember like a kind of proper sequence happening. Yeah. 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 I would say that Brian Pillman Jr. needs to, like, I know he's an up and comer, but I would say don't accept every booking um, <laughs> because there is a chance of overexposure and never actually getting that, that spot of being someone mm. because he seems like he'll take anything. <laughs> yeah. Including this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I enjoyed it to see the flock. David Penzer got a payday. Teddy Long was on the show. It's 15 quid. Swearing a lot. Yeah, a lot of swearing. Yeah, a lot of swearing from uh, from Penzer and Teddy Long. Uh, but yeah, if you want to support the lads and, uh, and keep, I suppose keep Gallows and Anderson in their big houses and support our, men's, <laughs> our mates at fight, 15 quid. I suppose it's 15 quid we we'll spend them, but... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, on to other more serious matters, though. You guys been uh, been watching anything else uh, this last week? I know you've uh, you've both been uh, been busy watching plenty of wrestling. We both ended up watching a bit of Stardom. Oh, okay. Funny enough, and this was kind of I was planning to watch some Dragon Gate and just didn't get round to it, to be honest with you. Mm. But um, and I suppose it was kind of as a natural result of the roundtable of actually going, okay, I'm kind of intrigued to see it and. It was actually, there was a match specifically that Adam Summers brought up on the um, Big Audio Nightmare with Mike Sempervivi, mm. where they were talking about um, Julia versus Tam Nakano. Um, and it was uh, the final of a sort of mini tournament for their various color-coded belts. And, and this is where I'm not au fait with stardom generally. Mm. So I was kind of really dipping in for a match. Um, there are a few good things about the presentation that i kind of liked about it in the sense that it's all got english subtitles for the promos and the kind of pre-match promos they're like very much like i'm just going to absolutely try my best and variations on that theme and they're not they're very short and sweet you kind of know where they are and they translate the, uh, the promos after the match so you have an idea of what's going on mm. um 
and that kind of makes sense. And and the main event itself, the the mat the the match that I saw on the show um, was very good. It was a brutal, hard hitting match, and it was nearly half an hour. It was twenty nine minutes, and it was very well paced. And they kind of had they at the beginning they they kind of stare out each other, hmm. and you think, oh no, is this going to be like that Goshi Azaki Fujita match? that was that we watched where it's half an hour of a, a staring competition yeah but it makes sense they only do it for like a minute or so and then they very slowly get towards the center and then it's sort of positioning for the the, the center of the ring and it just sort of very nicely builds primarily with julia working over tam nakano's arm and um and tam nakano working over julia's injured leg and you've got kind of variations on that, and it's it's quite hard hitting. And then as it goes on, it starts to get more desperate, and it starts to get sort of very rough and ready towards the end. And some of the transitions don't quite work, but it makes sense because they're having like a bit of a kind of epic, and the crowd seemed to be engaged with it and were, were happily clapping along. Mm. Um, I I mean four stars for me. I, I kind of thoroughly enjoyed it. Julia, someone I've heard about. And they've kind of set her up with a stable. She's clearly the person. And I can imagine in a sense, because of, of Hannah Kimura's death, that this is the person that they're going to go with Mm. as the kind of face of the company. And she is the first time I'd, I'd seen her. And I I thought she was very good kind of person where if you imagine, if you showcased her in a, on a kind of bigger platform, this is someone who, who could, could really kind of connect with a with a wider audience but um i don't know steph what did you think of it yeah i thought i thought julia seemed like a star um mm. well everything about her that this is the first match of hers i'd seen and like you i was trying to dip in to stardom and it is something i definitely want to watch more of um and i thought for someone that was just like this was kind of their first time probably watching it the presentation was very good. It was actually those little, it, it reminded me, it's quite like 80s or maybe 90s, like new generation in a way where you get little snippets of people talking that gives you an idea of who they are. But even the way they all, their costumes, like their ring gear also gave you an idea of who they were as well. So even though you didn't know anything about them, they all seemed like proper characters where it's like, I'd like to know more of like who this person is. But as far as the main event, I really enjoyed the beginning of the match. I really enjoyed them kind of going forward and then backing off. Um, and I enjoyed the end as well. I think some bits, yeah, some bits were a bit ropey, but like overall it was a very good match. And I think that Julia is definitely someone with a lot of appeal. Am I right in thinking she was actually born in London? I looked her up, but I think she's like, she has Japanese parent, a Japanese parent, Italian parent, and was born in London. I yeah. think that is the case. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a check now because um, I had a look earlier on. She was actually another um, company, wasn't she, before that? She was at um, Ice Ribbon, I think. Ice Ribbon, yeah. And it was like kind of within that, within that world, there was a, like a little bit of controversy of it. Like she was um, really new to wrestling. Like I think I read she's yeah. 2017. Yeah. Born, yeah. born in London for that. Because I think the, the stable is called Donna, Donna Lamond. 
mm-hmm. and I think that like she she sort of signs off her um her promo with Arrivederci, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of given her a faction as well, haven't they? For that as well, yeah. so she's kind of primed to be that kind of big star. But yeah, yeah. they seem very behind her, and yeah, she seems like a great person that could um carry the company. But I'd like, yeah, I'd definitely like to watch more Stardom. I'd like to. Find it. Is there shows with English commentary that you can get? I don't think they broadened out into that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that'll be the case, and that it depends whether that would have been part. I could see Bushi Road as a company yeah. being that means something that they actually push mm-hmm. um, yeah. for that as well. Um, for that to be the case, because potentially, if depending on on what she decides to do, is there a part, chance of getting Kyrie Sane back in? Um, at some point, would there be a point of getting Io Shirai back in? Um, and they, I I, sorry, I was just going to say they use so many like international women as well, like they mm. like Jimmy Hader, B Priestley, use like Zoe Lucas a lot. Um, that it just seems to be something that could have just such a broader appeal if Bushiro gets behind it. Yeah, I think so because. I hate to say it, but whenever I think of stardom, I always come back, and it sounds bad, I always come back to the wrestlers documentary. And I know that's yeah. an edited documentary and it doesn't tell all of it, but that that has stuck with me in quite a profound way. How and did you deal with would... that side of it with COVID? Because that's like that seems like mm. a big part of the stardom presentation, the whole like fan culture and seediness that we kind of saw in that documentary. But that the, that fan culture like exists in male wrestling as well like in a different way true you know the wrestlers that stuff yeah like um did you ever see the rte valor documentary prince devon oh yeah they did for rte they showed them on like nights out like chopping businessmen and stuff like that that is strange in its own way as well the sponsor stuff yeah Mm. all the sponsor stuff i've never i've never gotten that it's like I don't need to have a meal with the Bullet Club that badly. Yeah, really. It's like I don't know. I paid that as a tenner for a picture, so I can't really talk. Yeah, but you're not taking them out for a big feed and unlimited drink, though, are you? Well, yeah. There's a bit of a difference on that. If I could afford, no, I wouldn't do it. No. <laughs> maybe with the with the fifty percent off JP. Maybe that. I was gonna say, yeah, Monday through Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, take them to Nando's, you know. Exactly. But um, post-COVID, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, how fan relationships change kind of all over the world. But for Mm. something like Stardom, yeah, might be a chance to kind of rebrand a little bit and get rid of some of that. I think one of the things I can remember, I'm not sure if this is necessarily the case, that when Bushiro bought them, there were some things they did, which was just about kind of putting measures in place where there wasn't the kind of same level of fan interaction that they used to be at stardom and the whole kind of guys coming up there with gifts and the rest of it. Um, it, Like that there is that kind of separation. Mm. I also imagine that they're under Bushy road. So there'll be employees of a company with a HR system and things like that, that even though it's Rossi Agawa running it, that there are very much kind of people who are keeping an eye on it. And it, it makes sense. I mean, there's another. I mean, it's a it's a much smaller level, and you know. But but Noah and DDT under Cyber Agent, the idea of a large company 
owning two very different wrestling products that may coexist in some very small, limited way for crossover stuff. But Altmere just kept entirely different, but sort of run by a centralised office. I mean, I wonder if it's the same thing here with New Japan, um, with sort of New Japan, because I think it comes under the Bushi Fight banner. And that's kind of interesting, because if they do that, and they're able to kind of try and find a way of marketing so many of these wrestlers to a wider audience... I could see them really connecting just for the kind of sheer basics of how they're presented. Like I didn't know anything about Julia and Tam Nakano and I kind of know it now. And, and she, by the way, she can't be overshadowed in it. Tam Nakano. She was a great underdog fighting from underneath on this. And the way that she submits in a kind of Zack Sabre junior style submission was great and dramatic. And it was like, there was only one minute to go and the crowd was in a COVID era clapping as hard as you could expect a crowd could do without being able to kind of make any audible sounds. But um, yeah, it's, it's something for those big matches. And I think they've got their five-star Grand Prix coming up. I'd be intrigued to see what comes about, keep an eye on the app and see what kind of matches come in that are well-rated mm. that I might be able... I mean, I'm not at the point where I'd be diving sort of really deep into stardom, but I could see myself watching the odd kind of big match or two. Yeah, same. I'd definitely go back and watch some more big matches and I might try and kind of read up more on who everyone is and what everything. Because I remember like years and years ago when I started watching New Japan, I had to read so many articles about what does this mean? What is like, what's this faction? Like what's going on? And I think something like stardom, it's going to be the same commitment to really get a grasp of it because the number of belts they seem to have like... <laughs> Already, yeah. It's intimidating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's anything like any, any... Ben, have we convinced you? I mean, I'll go. I'll go with what the grapple users say. And uh, Gareth, I was just checking, hasn't got that match up yet. Um, so yeah, oh, you're, shame. You're, your four star rating JP is uh, is going to waste right now. We need to. Uh, we it need is, to isn't it? it. Um, yeah, but there's a few matches of stardom that come up quite high on the the kind of matches that haven't had as many ratings as others on there. Oh, Quite often this my uh, my Iwatani mm. as well. Yeah, there seems to be a little group of people I think who are who are keeping the other uh, stardom ratings going on the app. But mm. yeah, that's a it's a company as well people might not even know is on there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll pay t- I'll pay attention to you JP and I'll like with uh, with talking shopper mania, I'll, I'll watch what you instead. Has Gareth talk, got so. that up on the app yet? Not yet. Imagine, like, I, I don't. <laughs> would anything break half a star? I'm not sure it would. <laughs> no, I, I laugh more at the boner yard match than anything else. But no, yeah. I, I think I'd be giving that a kind two stars. It's like the the, an, the anti grapple of a show, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Gareth, it is. needs, Gareth needs to have uh, minus stars before we can do that. Um, certainly the anti-stardom show. It's a <laughs> polar opposite to that stardom show. There you go. Uh, very quickly, then, before we go, JP, and I apologise, it's come to the end. But speaking of uh, minor stars, I believe you watched it back this week. Uh, is that, I think that's is that the last thing you saw this week. Yeah, just before this show. Um, and it I sounded like really you had a great wish... time watching it, you know, mate. After all our no. positivity last week and the week before. Steph said it before the show, and I have to agree with it. She basically said, TNA fans, you always get sucked in. 
you're always convinced that somehow, all right, they're turning the corner. They're getting better, this company. And then, I mean, I skipped through this and it was still a waste of my time. It was a terrible TV show. The highlight of which is a perfectly fine professional wrestling match at the very beginning between Eddie Edwards and uh, Trey Miguel. Mm. After that, it was it was TNA. It was it was TNA in a TNA type way. Some of the stuff, and it doesn't deserve to be anything else other than the end of this show. Mm. If you've gotten this far and you're watching it, don't watch this. It was terrible. I sat through it. It's like I, you know, at that point, I did think oh, I kind of get how Davey Portman felt now. <laughs> I, if he's having to review Impact as well, I just honestly buy him something, give him a tip, um, like he deserves something for that. It was shite. They had this wrestle house thing, which isn't dissimilar to Talking Chopper Mania, where they just got a house with a wrestling ring, and you think it's going to be a reality program, and it isn't. It's bad jokes, and it's with the Deaners and Tommy Dreamer's house. It's meant to be his house. And people like AC Romero and Crazy Steve, Tyre Valkyrie. And, yeah, you see what I mean? <laughs> like, the, there was a couple of matches. Shit. They were outside. You, you would have thought it'd be interesting if they did a kind of reality TV concert. But it isn't. It's playing for comedy. And it's, it's current WWE levels. Yeah. Mm. That's how bad that is. And then I thought, maybe that'd be the worst thing. There was a Katie Forbes segment with Rob Van Dam, where it was going to be free 99, get the joke, where she was going to be showing some of her pictures from her website. Oh. But it was there to set up Sammy Callahan photoshopping his face over her face on these photos, which she was livid about. And she was screaming at Rob, but you can kind of hear them. And Van Dam didn't seem like he gave a shit, to be honest with you, which was kind of half of the unintentional comedy of it. But it was fucking awful. App, like a, a terrible fucking segment um point like and they're thinking this is good this mm. is the stuff that they're putting on again one of the highlights was and this again sort of showed the tna gene in it it was like a motor motor city machine guns motor shitty machine guns sorry that sounds awful i'm like slagging them off they were they were showing a, a classic match with them and beer money and i was like oh this will be interesting the finish was one of those old where one of the tag team one of the tag teams gets a pin on one team member and while the other team gets a pin on the other one so it's like a oh, it's a right. draw and i was like this is your highlight you've got all <laughs> these years of archive footage even if you just wanted to show most city machine guns then just do that yeah absolutely yeah double um yeah it was a double pin situation that they did it was awful um and then they had, like, at the end of it, oh, oh there was a Diona Perazzo match that was kind of disappointing from what I saw of it. Um, in the end, they had the Good Brothers um, versus uh, Reno Scum. And it was about as good as you'd imagine it to be. And for all the enthusiasm they had for just chatting shit for an hour and a half, none of it was evident here. None. Like... It was like they look like already in impressive time. They're going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely going through the motions with it. And it's setting up versus them versus Ace Austin. And I need to say Brody King because he kind of looks like him. That madman Fulton bloke. Mm. 
fuck me. <laughs> a terrible waste of time. And I don't know if it's worse than talking shopper mania. And I think it might well be. It's been a not been a strong week on the whole. Gotta say, we were making fun of talking shopper mania going on grapple. Gareth literally started putting impacts TVs on as of last week. That's not great timing, is it? Um, I assume you saw none of this stuff, or did you see any of this? I watched a clip of Rafflehouse because I had mistakenly thought that yeah, maybe they were they were doing like a serious like wrestling Big Brother style type thing, mm. which I honestly think could work if you made like a Big Brother house and you took it seriously and said you were just putting a lot of wrestlers in it and they'll get into arguments and stuff happens. This was like cartoony shite. It was the um, entrance video was like a Saved by the Bell type 90s like logo and everything. Mm. It was just pure comedy and bad bad jokes that weren't funny. I saw two guys fighting over who gets a bed or something. Um, yeah. yeah, which it was just, it was uh, That's time I'm, you're not getting back either, is it? Yeah, and I just thought like who who could take an idea that could be good and simple like that of like, yeah, we'll just stick a lot of the wrestlers in the house and like make stuff around it and turn it into just comedy crap where you've got two growing men fighting over who has a bed. And then they go out to a ring in the backyard, which is awful. DNA is going to TNA. Sorry, JP. Yep. <laughs> no, it's the scorpion and the frog. <laughs> and I've been, except, you know, it's a glitch in the matrix. And I've just become <laughs> this frog every few years. And I'll give you time. And you stung me. And it's like, why? And it's like, yeah, we just need some gimmick bullshit. And it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we were stung again, but we'll end up watching their next pay per view. Of course. But after that, I'm yeah. not watching it next week. <laughs> we'll see. No fucking. I'll way. get to putting the no. show notes together, and JP will be like, you know, I kind of watched Impact again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I've got to be doing research this week. Fair enough. Okay. Oh, interesting. Um... <laughs> right. I'll wait for the plugs. Okay. Well, should we get to that? Anything? Anything else you guys want to mention? Anything else we've been watching, or uh, should we get out of here? Should we get to the plugs? Go for it. Go on, JP. What have you got? Well, I, I'm going to be watching... Um, well, I'm actually uh, going to be recording, hopefully, next week. Fingers crossed with WH Park, one of the episodes oh. in his... Uh, yes. Uh, long and long and winding Royal Road. Nice. Um, which I'm, I'm incredibly looking forward to mm. um, doing with him. And the, uh, the match that I'll be doing is the uh, very famous 1990 match with Masao and Jumbo. So I found myself kind of looking at a bit of early Jumbo, mm. Jumbo Saruta. Um, and there's all these kind of like the Joseph Monticello series, which is just amazing to kind of follow on, which gives you an idea of the story. But also I went back and watched one of those. I don't know if you guys would know him. The Hans Meyer does those sort of Japanese music videos. Oh, right. And there's a really great one he does for, for um, Misawa versus Jumbo and a kind of five minute music video synopsis of their feud and i'm quite looking forward to that um mentioned davy portman at some point i'm i'm planning to be on the on one of their shows we're going through sort of a best of and that's going to be tna themed as well yeah. um yeah of course it had to be um yeah so going to be doing those and also if you haven't already listened to the round table with myself and steph 
Christ. And Lisson and Sarah, who I nearly criminally left off that one. Sorry, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> they you. were brilliant. They were, they were. I really enjoyed that. Um, a lot of, yeah. lot of positive feedback uh, for that um, here in New Japan discussed, especially the uh, the Hiromu and uh, and Jay White discussions, like we said at the top of the show, were uh, were very very interesting. Uh, Steph, you got anything to plug that included? Um, well, yeah, absolutely. Listen to that because I had so much fun recording it. Um, no, just uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase. Uh, there will be stuff. <laughs> fun stuff coming up um and on youtube and yeah i'm sure i'll be <laughs> recording more things <laughs> with more people there we go get the good brothers on yeah <laughs> that's what you want to hear I'm, honestly i missed out in the good brothers because um yeah i was meant to and then i was away and uh i missed that window where that window of them talking to the media <laughs> to promote talking shop mania <laughs> But I still watch their pay-per-view. <laughs> I'd, I'd, honestly, to God, you know, there's that'd be a hell of an interview. That that's, that's you know, a really big one to build up for that one. It'd be, um, <laughs> it'd be better than the pay-per-view. Let's all be honest. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, yeah. Follow uh, Steph at Stephanie M Chase on Twitter. Follow JP at JP Jiffy. Follow me at Benson Richard E. And follow the Grapple App at Grapple App uh, and get your ratings in. As usual, via the app. But yep, that's it for us for another show. We'll be back again next Monday night. Bye. Bye. So yeah. Kane is in the building.